Hello. Hi, it's Keith. Yeah, I figured it was. There's a special ring that oh, yeah, shows up on this phone. For a weird calling card, long distance, you think? Can you hear me okay? Yep. Man, so uh, I didn't mean to call so late, but I just had I just had a real dumb adventure where uh, I thought I thought this recorder was finally gone. I thought I finally lost it. So uh, I've been sticking with my no caffeine thing mostly. Like I went for like three weeks with no caffeine. So now I'm like, all right, if I need a little, you know, once a week or something, I'll have a coffee, no big deal. So today was one of those days because I woke up real early. So I went and grabbed a, just a little tiny Tim Hortons small coffee. And I went to the payphone I usually use, but it's blocked off by this Christmas diorama thing. Even now, where I am now, there's this humming, this buzz in the background that hopefully doesn't pick up too much on the recording because there's some big, some kind of big Santa Claus thing set up and it's making noise. So, uh, so I couldn't get to that phone, so I had to go look for a different phone. And the first one I found took a little while, but it was in the lobby of this fancy hotel down here by the waterfront. and. Uh, and I went over to use the stupid phone and uh, there were like quite a few people going around and like a concierge desk and stuff kind of nearby and I felt a little weird about that phone but I was like whatever it's a phone I'll use it. And somehow I tipped over my coffee and I spilled coffee all over the floor. And, and I just felt super embarrassed so I was like you know what I'm just gonna get the hell out of here. So I just like picked up the coffee and I just took off down the first weird hallway that I could see that had never been down before and just down the whatever was left of the coffee and threw away the cup. And, uh, and I ended up in this some kind of weird like parking lot structure thing where I was just in like the stairwell that goes to the different levels of the parking lot and there was finally an exit door to get to just outside but you know like one that you can't get back in. So I went through there and I ended up in some kind of like weird truck delivery part of this complex where this big convention center is. And I walked around that for a while and I couldn't figure out how to get out because because it was all trucks and it was like, you know, you'd have to walk along the edge of, of, a, of like a ramp going up and there was traffic and not really a room for a person, so I didn't want to do that. Then I finally did figure out how to get out. I found some signs and followed them through this other parking garage out to the waterfront and got to a place I recognized. And I saw a payphone and I reached in my pocket and my recorder wasn't there. So I was like, oh no, like, I was kind of jogging along at one point just because I was like, where am I? Like, I'm in this huge place, like, how do I get out of here? So I thought maybe it bounced out of my pocket. So I went back into that weird place and <laughs> retraced all my steps and didn't find it anywhere. Finally went back out, out and around, back into this hotel to where the um, original phones were. And it was sitting on top of the phones, like I must have taken it out of my pocket and put it on top of the phone. And then I was like reaching for my calling card when I knocked out down the, the coffee. So luckily there was like a, you know, wet floor sign and someone had mopped up the coffee, but nobody touched the recorder. So it's still there. But I still felt like I better just get the recorder and get out of there because what if they recognize me as the asshole who dropped the coffee everywhere. So I found a third, or I guess a fourth phone now. And that's where I am. So, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, kind of, kind of ridiculous. I mean, in a way, because this recorder is so old, I was like, you know what, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's about time to buy a new one anyway. But, but it was still there, so here it is. I still got it. I was pretty lucky, because you'd think most, if anybody had seen it, they just would have picked it up. Yeah, like, even if they didn't want it or necessarily know what it was, like, even if it went into just the weird lost and found system of this hotel, like, that's the question. Is like, am I... Is $400 too much for me to pay to not have to go talk to them and say, like, where's this thing? I guess I would ask. I would ask if somebody had it, but, 
but yeah, I just presumed it would be gone. But uh, but it was there, so cool. Good. Maybe good. the moral of this story is I should have stuck to my no caffeine thing because that coffee caused me nothing but trouble. Obviously, yeah. It, you had a little bit of it and it just set you right off. Yeah, for <laughs> real. It gave you the jitters or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, so, and I guess it's been a while since we've done one of these because uh, just weird work schedules and I had a cold. I'm glad to say that that cold was a real easy one. It was like a half strength cold. It only lasted like four days. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty lucky. Not so bad. And then everybody else is sick at my work now, and uh, I haven't gotten it a second time. I think, like, I got my wave, and I'm okay now. So that's good, because everyone else's seems to be a lot worse. I ran into a fellow that uh, knows you. He was uh, a guy named Kenneth, Rod- uh, Kenneth uh, Rogers. Oh, yeah, I know him, sure. You remember him? Yep. Yeah, he told me to say hello to you. Cool. Yeah, no, he's cool. I like that guy. Yeah, I think he was more, uh, more like Matt and uh, Chris Harding and them. Like he did, he was hung out with them more. But I, I know him a bit. Where'd you know him from? The comic book store? Or, uh, or mostly that house on Saunders Street when I lived over there. Like he hung oh, out there all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun year. It was cool. Well, my got involved with him because he uh, he had bought a mini home a couple of years ago, but his parents were on the title, so he finally, I guess, has enough of his own money that he can stand alone. That mom and dad got off the uh, ownership <laughs> so after we were done everything he just said uh, oh say hello to Keith for me and I said Keith who? <laughs> <laughs> he, he said Keith Keith your son Keith oh I said oh, no how do you know him and he just said he had known you for a number of years yeah he used to do all that uh, like the, the Nero stuff the role-playing stuff and whatever so I think that's that's mostly like how he knew the Hardings and Matt, but I was always at working at the comic shop, so I was doing my side nerdy gig, so I couldn't do their nerdy thing. Then there was another um, a girl I was going to ask you about, but I don't know if she would have gone to high school here. Uh, but her father is a Lutheran minister. Her name is Lania, um, well it would be more before she was married. She was a, a professor down in um, Granada. And she was murdered last week, but she would be the same age as you. Damn, no, Le, no, Linnea does not ring a bell, but shit, that's pretty rough. Yeah, she was out walking with her, uh, kind of confusing as to what exactly happened, but she was out running with her dog in the morning and a car hit them. And uh, then they, I don't know who, who discovered it, but uh, whoever hit her took, took her. And I don't, they don't know if she was alive or dead because they found her about 20 kilometers, her body about 20 kilometers away. About, uh, God, it was almost a week later. And the dog had been injured and uh, they, the dog was, had received surgery and lived, but she was gone. So for a whole week it was like, where was she? Uh, they were searching the island, nobody could find her. And then, I don't know, about a day before they found her, some guy turned himself in, and whether he led them to the body or not, I don't know, but but anyway, I thought she was from around, she she apparently grew up in New Denmark, but her father is the Lutheran minister here in Fredericton, so whether she had gone to high school here or not, I don't know, so I thought, oh, well, she got to ask if you, that Linnea is not that common a name, so I thought you, yeah, and I mean, there was, that. But anyway. And there was like 700 kids or something in my graduating yeah. year, so yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't know her. Yeah, I didn't think it was likely, but, but she, she is just 36, so mm. anyway, she's kind of a, a, a freak thing. 
Yeah, I really am, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day, which probably won't be, I mean, it'll be in my lifetime, when people don't drive cars anymore. Like, it's just going to be robot cars driving around, because it really is, like, unbelievably dangerous and weird. I mean, even just today, walking through this parking lot thing and trucks going by me, I'm like, dude, like, any of these could just kill me so easy. Like, it's just, yeah, it's a weird amount of power to put in somebody's hands. It really is like a weapon. Like, I feel like drivers don't think of it that way. They always complain about bicyclists and pedestrians, but it's like they're driving a fucking gun around, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, most people who drive, I think, treat it as a, it's like a right. Yeah, it's very it annoying. Should be, it should be a privilege. And maybe if you treated it as a privilege, you'd be a little more careful in how you drive. Like, we had one hell of a storm here yesterday. So I'm walking to work, and it's icy and slippery, and... The vehicles are just flying up and down the road like it's the middle of July. Yeah, and you can really, it really frustrates me when you see somebody who uh, is like about to turn and like you can just see the frustration on their face because they got to wait for a bunch of pedestrians to walk and it's like, or are people that sneak around like just as a light turns red and they sneak around one more corner just to go immediately get stopped by the next red half a block down the street. It's like, what the fuck is your big hurry? Like, why are you such an asshole? But yeah, there's something about being in a car. Like, even the way people talk about it, like, he hit me. They don't say his car hit my car. Like, they they identify inappropriately with this thing that they're in, and they just act like assholes. And yeah, I'm not a fan of drivers at all. And I mean, granted, I've never had a license or driven a car, so, you know, but, but I don't know. I'm kind of glad that I haven't. Like, I feel like my self-righteousness is a little, like, it's okay, because, like, like once you get in a car and you're just a car guy like yeah you just people seem to take on that weird they just take it for granted and they just don't pay attention and then yeah it's like ridiculous i kind of felt the way you did until i learned to drive you yeah know, right I, I, I was like 33 or 34 when i got my license i was just too busy before that to get it but after i got it i, I have to say i'm glad i got it right because it kind of gives you freedom to go like if I want to go down to St. Andrews, I don't have to find somebody who's going and be at their beck and call. I can just get in my car and go. Yeah, and there's when certain... when I want to uh, go home, I can just get in it and say, see ya. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, I can leave. In that kind of environment, like, yeah, you do kind of need a car. Like, the only way I really got away with not being able to drive <laughs> is just because all my friends could drive in head cars. But once you're in a city, you really don't need one. Like, New York, Toronto, Vancouver, like, I can get everywhere I need to go and it's fine. Oh, yeah, and if I lived in a large city like that, I, I would probably never use a car. I would take public transportation because you got to find parking spots. you got to do parallel parking, which I hate doing. Um, yeah, it was... A, oh, it, oh, any number of things. It's just a pain in the ass. It was really, like, silly in, uh, in New York because I lived out in Queens, like, near Keith and Hemda, so a lot of times they would give me and my roommate rides into Manhattan. And then Hemda would drop us all off, and we wouldn't see her for 40 minutes because she was spending that whole time just trying to park somewhere. And it's like, dude, we could have just taken the subway. Like, what is this? I appreciate it, but this is craziness. And so expensive, and yeah, just like, man. Even now, like, at this coffee shop job, there's all these people that, um, you know, it's like, oh, where's all my money, and blah, blah, blah. And then, I, you know, we all have the same bad job, but then I find out it's like they have cars and stuff, and it's like, dude, no wonder. Like, you just, you, why? Why do you have that? That's fucking madness. No, and, and they're expensive. Yeah. By the time you license them and do the safety inspection on them, and, you know, gas isn't that bad, although everybody, that's what everybody complains about. 
maintenance, all that. You know, it, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's an expensive. You got to have money. It really is kind of funny where, uh, I guess I haven't been keeping very close tabs on it, but I assume you guys are still putting money in my account? Oh, yes. Yeah, because... Uh, put in, yeah. Because I, I thought so. Because, of the month and the end of the month. Because, yeah, my money has been going up very, very quick, like much faster than it should based on my, based on my much, paychecks. Much, much faster <laughs> than your earnings, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I just passed like nine grand. There's a ton of money in that account. So, uh, oh, lovely. But I mean, hey, don't, uh, you know, I'm not complaining. No, no, I won't hurts. stop because I feel <laughs> we're giving it to your brother. So, it's, so right. you know, just because you just because you decided to work should be no reason why you'd get cut off. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, yeah, so it, it, it is kind of like I'm getting paid double for this coffee job, really. But, uh, but still, it's funny. Like, there's this one girl at work who's a nice girl and everything. But, like, just it's funny how different our priorities are where she was telling me that she took her car to drive to, you know, Surrey or like one of the outskirt places, but a place the subway does go, like you can't get to, so that she could get these um, eyelash extension things put on so she wouldn't have to do her mascara all the time, like they would just last for a while and that cost, you know, whatever, $80 or something, and I'm just like, every word that just came out of your mouth is bananas to me, (laughs) like what? (laughs) You paid for your car to drive to get this? Like, oh man, I don't even know what to tell you. And you know what? That just slays me too. Like, you see all these things, people on TV lately that, yeah, the big false eyelashes are all back in. Like, they went, we went through that period of a number of years where people went au naturel, like natural, like looking lipstick. And you might have worn some makeup, but it was very natural looking. Now it's the great big false black eyelashes are on there again, just like they were in the 60s. Right. And the nails that people are getting, these big nail extensions that have a big white um, square top of your nail, which would be the white part of your nail. Oh, God, I don't know what that costs, but nails look beautiful, but I don't even know how you pick things up, those things on the end of your fingers. It's funny, too, like another thing I was talking to somebody else there about, um, I don't know, just like, it's like people, I don't know, it's weird, they just spend money, like they just can't help it. (laughs) And, uh, well, like one of the things was rent. I was saying how everywhere I've lived, my rent has always been about the same. Like it was 500 bucks in Toronto. It was 500 bucks in New York. It was. It's. It's even now in Vancouver. My place is like 560. It's always about 500 bucks, and it just depends on how far away you live. Like in New York, I was really far away. In Toronto, I kept getting further and further away. I got a little lucky here in Vancouver. My place is just real shitty. But you know, you can find a place if you just look around that's cheap. And we were also talking about moving, and I was saying, like, yeah, I want to, you know, not own a lot of stuff just to stay flexible so I can move around if I need to, or I can just leave whenever and I'm not tied down or whatever. And uh, and this other girl was like, yeah, well, I can't do that. I just own too much stuff. And so we started talking about what this stuff is, and it got down to the point of, like, DVDs that she owns. And, like, DVDs are trash now. Like, you need Blu-rays and stuff because DVDs are low resolution. They look bad. Uh, but she's still like, yeah, but I spent all this money on them at one time. I can't get rid of them. And I'm like, dude, if you can't get rid of that literal garbage, <laughs> you know, that nobody even wants, no wonder. Like, what, if you can't get rid of that, you're never going to be able to get rid of anything. Like, yeah, I guess you're stuck. I guess you're stuck forever. I don't know how to help you. But I don't know. It's just funny. But I bet most people you know are in that position. Yeah, and I guess it's just funny. It's like the woe is meanness of it, where they're like, "Oh, Keith, if only I could live like you." And it's like, yeah, I've gotten some money from you guys. That is a nice little bonus. But you know, now that I have a job again and shit, like, I, I don't need that. <laughs> you know? That was only because I literally just didn't have a job at all. Like that was just you know, 
Like, I, I'm not, I don't have some special magical leg up on people in, in the just normal working for a minimum wage paycheck sense. They just, like, money just, just flows out of their pockets everywhere all the time. And it's like, man, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Well, and that's like, I, I really have no interest in buying anything and having it. I got, I mean, I get stuff that I like, but I don't buy new stuff. I just get old stuff. But I kind of like to have that that money in the bank. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just even... in case I need it. I kind of like it that, that uh, I don't necessarily, like, like I don't want, I don't want to buy stuff. I don't, don't want to have stuff anymore. But if I wanted to go somewhere, I could just say, okay. Well, I'm just going to go do it, and I've got the money to do it. Yeah, or it's so, nice like when I thought this recorder... Money's not, money's not an issue like that. I've got to save up to do it. If I get the urge to do it, I could just do it, and that's kind of nice. That's what I mean about having that little bit of security. Right. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you guys have a lot more than me, but even just like to have the, the little, like the $9,000 in the bank or whatever, it's like, oh, if I thought this recorder was gone, it's like, well, whatever. Like, I can just get another one. It's not a big thing. Where that was one thing when I started at this coffee job, it was like they were really laying out like, so here's the day that you get paychecks and blah, blah, blah. And like, it takes this amount of time for them to clear, like in case you need to pay rent and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, is like, is every person here just living hand to mouth? And they are, <laughs> like, now that I've been there a while, like everyone is just dying to get those paychecks. And I don't even notice. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, thanks. Throw it in the bank. And I know people listening to this could be like, yeah, well, you're getting money from your parents, but I don't know, like they're gonna think whatever they wanna think, but but like when I used to live in Vancouver, I didn't get any money from you guys and it was fine. I lived here for like what, three years or something, two and a half and I don't know. That's right, and you didn't you didn't we gave you money to come home on pay for flights and stuff, but that was all. Yeah, and I just uh, you like yeah, it's like so maybe I haven't grounded out my entire adult life, but I did it enough of a stretch to see that I can do it and how it works and everything. And like now, if you guys weren't putting money in my account, I wouldn't have nine grand, but I would have like five or six. Like I would still have a bunch of money because I just don't spend the fucking money. It's not rocket science. <laughs> you know? yeah, I don't know. I just well, get really... maybe you picked up some of that from me. Because even in days when I didn't have money, I always had a little bit. Like, and I could measure it in, in um, okay, increments. Okay, for example, when I first maybe went to university, um, I didn't have any money. Uh, I had a little bit of money I earned in the summertime from working. I had my student loans. I had to spend the student loans to get my education. But I knew people that had that had money, but never had money. Now I always had like, like if I my bank account went down to fifty dollars right. in those days, I was I think that's a lot of money. But if it went below that, I'd start getting a little nervous and a little antsy. You know, like I had to build it up again just in case I needed it. Then later. When I was teaching school, and I was paying off my student loan, that 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 amount went to like five hundred dollars, and I always had to have five hundred dollars in the bank, no matter what. Now, I'd have more than that at times, but if it ever went down below five hundred dollars, I started getting, oh man, like I got to build that up again. I just won't buy anything until I build it up again, because it gave me that sense of security that if I ever needed it, it would be there. And I can honestly say I was never at a point, like some people I knew, who like literally don't have a freaking penny. Right. And go, and they're working. But they got all this stuff. But oh yeah, I don't have any money in the bank, or I'm running behind, or I'm in debt. I was never in debt, because I always had to have that little cushion. 
And now, of course, I've got a much bigger cushion. A big cushion. Now, now you enough that you can support a bunch of layabout, no good kids, <laughs> just hanging off you like <laughs> parasites. Um, well, I've yes, but still, I always have that that uh, that cushion, and so when I hear people who you know who are just going hand to mouth, as you say, well, what are you working for if you don't have a little bit of a cushion to protect you just in case the job stops, or just in case you didn't have enough to pay your rent, or just in case you really needed to go buy a loaf of bread and a quart of milk to keep you going, and you don't have it, like ee. yeah, I remember there. I guess I would do without rather than have that. And be in that position, I'd want to have my fifty dollars in the bank. I remember there were a couple of times in uh, Toronto where I had to borrow some money from Brad to buy groceries, just because I felt embarrassed to ask you guys for more money. <laughs> but, but that was again literally because I didn't have any job at all. I was just being a total layabout. But uh, yeah, like any time I've had money coming in, yeah, it just I feel like it's probably similar to like what we were talking about with the car thing. Like once you get in a car, you get that weird sense of entitlement and like this is like you raised to this new level of whatever this is how things should be I should be a car person I think it's like that too with buying stuff like you just you have fancy cell phone with your data plan and your Netflix and you're just constantly just buying blah 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 all this different dumb crap and then it's just like that's the new low level then the new low watermark is all this money being spent and yeah people just don't think that they don't actually need to have all that stuff yeah, and no, I think it probably was, like, maybe, like, it probably took, like, I guess it's, uh, too, if your parents are like that, yeah, you're just going to grow up and be like that, where you guys, or you in particular, I think we're, like, extreme in the other direction. <laughs> like, do you remember this one stuffed animal that we had, this, like, stuffed bear that we literally got from, like, a dump? <laughs> do you remember that guy? Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily a dump, but it was, like, a, uh, when you, what was that street called? St. Mary's? street or it's like that uh you know you you go a little past devon and you hang a left and it's just this big long loop like that goes into marysville i don't know what that street's called but anyway there was like at the there was like this big gravel pit kind of thing that we used to take the dogs and walk there and stuff and i think that's where we found this bear it was just like somebody just tossed it and so you took it home and like washed it and sewed it up it's probably still in the house somewhere i'm sure if i see it i can oh, like yeah. point it out Anyway, that, that example always kind of stuck with me because it's like, it was fine. It was a cool little bear, you know, just needed to be stitched up and washed. But nobody would do that. Like, that is the total antithesis of our society. Like, nobody, nobody wants secondhand stuff, let alone something that was, like, literally thrown away. <laughs> but I don't know. Why the hell not? Why go buy some new shitty bear that, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know what? Like... Yes, I've got lots of money. Do I go and buy the brand new clothes and stuff? Nope. Go to Sally Ann, go to the Value Village, <laughs> go to all those second places. I'm a recycler's dream. Yeah, I think so. Like just... even, even for example, I've got, you should see down at our, down at our Christmas tree in the office, um, Tina, girl, lives there. She, she's a binner. Apparently that's the word from out west there, Vancouver, they call them binners. But it's dumpster diving behind oh, yeah. a giant tiger. She's bringing, oh, she's always bringing all kinds of stuff down there. That's, it's brand new stuff, but it's got little flaws in it and that. We fix it all up or whatever. Anyway, she had this, it's Santa's elf, and he was real cute. Um, he's made out of cloth, he's got real bright colored clothes on him, but his face was made out of uh, porcelain, and, uh, or china or something or other. Anyway, his face was all smashed up. So, you know, she didn't know what to do with him, so she was going to dump him. 
And I said, oh, geez, I don't know, I think he's kind of cute. So I took him home and I rebuilt his face when I, when I could out of what there was there. I glued it all together. But when I was finished, he had a great big chunk missing out of his face between his ear and his mouth and a little part of his nose. So I stuffed his head full of uh, foam bat and then I took some grouting that I had around here and I rebuilt his face. And then I painted it flesh colored and put a little, you know, finished his little lip off. He looks really cute. Now, he certainly isn't perfect. He looks like a little elf with a little like he's got a scarred up half of his face. Right. Anyway, we took him, put him on top of the Christmas tree. <laughs> and I show him to people when he comes in. I said, look, look what I did to that little guy there. And people at first don't see it. They, and then I say to him, you know, his, his face was half missing. And I built that. Oh, my God, isn't that cute? Now, anybody else would have thrown that thing out. Right. But, hey, he's kind of cool, and he's going to be probably a permanent fixture on the tree from now on. Yeah, that's cool. And, again, yeah, that's the kind of thing someone will remember, like how I remember that bear. Like, if it was just a store bear, I wouldn't remember that. But, yeah, like, now it's an ornament that has some... Yeah, it's like if you just went and bought a thing. Yeah, it'd be like, well, whatever. It would just be background. Yeah, if I went out and bought that thing, it would... I wouldn't have bought it. For one thing, I wouldn't have <laughs> well, bought <sure>. it. <laughs> But to rebuild his face, he's now got a special little hay. That's something I did, and I did a damn good job of it. That's cool, too, because, like, that's the one thing I hear people talk about sometimes now is, um, you just, like, there's those, um, like, jobs that don't really exist anymore, like how people used to have cobblers for their shoes, you know? Like, you wouldn't just let your shoes go. You'd, like, fix your shoes, and they lasted forever. Or uh, with computers, there's all these, like, com when, pe when people's computers break and they throw them away and just buy a new computer. I read an article about this once that usually to fix the computer, it's like 10 or $15. You just need to know how to do it and have the right little part. But nobody knows how, and that's not really a thing anybody's interested in. They just, they want a new one. So, so they just don't. And, like, and, yeah, everybody just throws out all their old shit, buys new stuff. Yeah, and I feel, I, I don't know, just, I mean, I guess I've always kind of felt this way, but I do feel it a little more intensely now just because I really am still I mean I've been complaining about this since I got this job but just these fucking downtown Vancouver businessy people that are the most boring people and the most unfun to deal with they can barely muster a smile up and all they do is buy eight dollar cheesecakes and fucking cappuccinos and all this horse shit <laughs> it's like and you know that's just the tip of the iceberg if you buy an eight dollar cheesecake you know you also have a fifty thousand dollar car and a blah 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 and this and that and it's just like Fuck all you people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not, not a fan of them. But yeah, then it's like sad to see that all the poor minimum wage little coffee slaves are in the same stupid boat. They just don't have enough money to buy fancier shit, so they buy crappier stuff, but they still are in the same mindset. They're still just, yeah. And as soon as it malfunctions or whatever, they make no effort to try to fix it. They just chuck it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the fact that I'm using this recorder after seven years, like, man, who would do that? Nobody would do that, six years maybe. Well, I heard quite an article in the, it was on the radio one day, and it was about the dumpster divers, as they call them here, but it's much cooler in British Columbia. In Vancouver, actually, is where this is happening. There's apparently a whole slew of people who go and check out the dumpsters that are behind the big department stores, and... Um, salvage um, this stuff that's thrown out. I mean, some of it is thrown out. It's like virtually nothing wrong with it. Like this Tina girl, she brings home all this stuff. Like, okay, one thing. It was a really nice, uh, basic little black dress. 
the only thing that was missing off of it was a button at the back. Right. So I sewed a button on it for her. She doesn't quite have the skills for pulling this stuff together. Um, there were all these uh, women's leggings that, uh, gosh, she got about 20 or 30 pairs of them. I gave a whole bunch of them, that boxed up all this stuff, and gave it to Transition House this year. You would have little things like a, a little seam in the leg open. So I just stitched all that up. Um, other things like, uh, oh, oh, there's just uh, T-shirts that might have like a little a little thread hanging off or a little stitch on the side uh, that, you know, a little opening. You just take a little bit of thread and just sew it up. So we created two boxes that we delivered. I mean, it's brand new stuff that uh, I delivered up to Transition House for Christmas. Nice. Yeah, I actually read it. all these candles. Uh, they were in bottles from the drugstore. Uh, uh, what was wrong with them? Well, I don't know. She, she had about 30 of them. And a whole bunch of them, the, the uh, bottles had broken. So um, we took uh, glass Tostito bottles that didn't have any labels on them. I melted down all the wax and recreated them in there. Nice. And now she's got about a dozen of those. She's going to have a giant yard sale in the spring. She's a girl who lives on welfare. Right. She'll have a giant yard sale in the spring and sell all that stuff. She'll probably make a couple of hundred bucks off it. Nice. Yeah, I read an article a little while ago in Wired magazine about a sort of like that same exact thing just at a higher level where it was a guy who did that same thing, dumpster diving, somewhere in the States, and uh, he would do it behind like computer stores and Walmarts and stuff, and, uh, and sort of a similar thing, like he'd find all these office chairs that were all being thrown out, and when he went through the manuals and looked, it was literally just one screw that was missing, and they just threw away all the chairs, and they're just like, we'll just get the new batch, who cares? And, uh, and the computers and stuff, a little harder to fix, but he, basically the guy made so much money refurbishing and reselling stuff that he quit his job and he just does it full time. And like, that's his whole job. And uh, Walmart has started a thing. Um, I don't know if they ever went through with this, but they were gonna start compacting all the stuff in their dumpsters so people wouldn't steal them. And there's this big like uproar about it because you know they're like literally like, here's a whole line of like kids bicycles that are basically fine that guys like this guy would fix and resell for really low prices and at least people would get the stuff whereas if they just compact it all it can only go in a landfill so people are like yeah. fuck you walmart like let the, let people take your stuff if you're not going to deal with it you know well that's what this uh, this uh, this thing on the radio was about but in 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 bc they call it uh you're not a dumpster diver you're a binner right and you're a urban recycler and they actually have guys who uh, who are want to help the environment. Might be like me, who would have a car, and I'd go around uh, to some of these guys who were doing it, who are on welfare or whatever, don't have any money. They go and dig out the stuff out of the dumpster, and I just let them load it into my car, and then we take it to some of these warehouses where they, it will be refurbished, and then they sell it, and they support, uh, you know, places like food banks and transition houses and all this kind of stuff. And their thing is, yeah, we're keeping it out of the landfill. There's a, a guy at the coffee shop where I work who, uh, he, he's definitely homeless, you know, he smells pretty homelessy, looks pretty homelessy, but he's relatively together and pretty nice guy, and he, uh, he always comes and gets our, our recyclable 
cans and stuff. Like we just put them aside for him. It's just become a thing. And I guess he does that at a whole bunch of different stores. And uh, he told me that he made like six grand last year doing that. And it's kind of interesting because like he will come in after he's gotten, you know, returned a bunch of cans and stuff. And it's like he's king of the world. He's cock of the walk. He's like got money in his wallet and he buys a drink like just like anybody else. He's like, look at this. I got a $20 bill. <laughs> Give me a coffee. And I don't know. It's kind of neat because I mean, I guess like, fuck it. Why not? Somebody's got to do it. Well, yeah, and he's a guy who he, he at least is, uh, he's generating some income for himself. And all that stuff would just go to the garbage. So, sure, yeah, I, I, I fully support it. Yeah, that's where, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's an extreme view to take, but I don't know, that's how my stupid angular brain works. But, I mean, I really, like, I don't know, people, like, I remember last year Joel was really, uh, really getting nuggets because he has kids now and stuff he's really worried about the future and really worried about the economy and worried about what things are going to be like when his kids are older and this and that and the other thing whereas since i don't have any kids or anything i i feel like i would love for things to just fucking fall apart i would love it i would love if north america just collapsed big time because then everybody would have to do do this stuff and think about these things and and i just feel like man like north america could fall so far and it would still be a thousand times better than India, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And people just have no idea. They're so blind to their stupid lives. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's not the best way for things to reform, but it's like a little fantasy of mine. The only problem with Tina and her dumpster diving, though, is, okay, she, she just rents one room for me down there. Right. Pays about 240 a month for it. Well, She's got stuff in my garage. She's got stuff in the landing upstairs. She's got stuff out in the front porch. <laughs> she's got all this stuff she's collected. She was supposed to have a yard sale last fall, but she really doesn't have the... Uh, but she needs somebody to help her pull it together. Right. We did one already, but I'm the one who kind of organized it, said, here's when we'll do it, here's the signs. You know, I kind of organized all that crap. And... Winter kind of came on kind of quick, so we never got around to it. So I'm the one who took all the stuff out of the house, stashed it in the garage so we can just move it out and do it. Um, I'm getting nothing out of it. I don't want anything out of it because I don't need the money. Right. But my good God, every time we turn around, our, like our whole Christmas tree down at the office is decorated with the stuff that she got out of the bin, including the little leprechaun guy with the made-up face. I guess the lights are mine. It is interesting, though, right? Because that, that, yeah, just like we have so much stuff in North America that that is the problem, right? Is just dealing with it. Because, like, that same impulse of, like, Tina just has the stuff, but she doesn't, can't, like, deal with processing it is probably the same reason it ended up in these bins in the first place is because these companies are in the same situation. They're like, we have all this stuff, and who, we don't have time to deal with it. Just fucking throw it away, and we'll get well, more stuff. Well, the other thing, apparently, is a liability thing, which is why they've got to get rid of it. Right. If they, okay, let's say, like, I mean, the food that gets disposed of is unreal. Right. So, you think that, why can't they take it to a food bank? Why can't they take it to a soup kitchen? Well, apparently they can't. Because if somebody got sick on something that was taken out of a bin, um, there would be a lawsuit. So they chuck it. But like last week, she brought home, well, I went down and helped her because she had, she had stuffed it in the bushes and had no way of getting it home because she walks. Sometimes she might have a bicycle. So I went down with my car. Oh, she comes out of the bushes with this great big bag. It must have had, you know, those great big giant blocks of cheese that you get? Right. God, there must have been... Fifteen of those, 
And what had happened with them, the little airlock, the little uh, that, that uh, keeps the air out of them, some of them that had, or some of them were, were cracked in the middle, or there may have been a pinhole so that the air was not in, in the thing. Well, all we did, uh, well, she didn't, I did it, cut them into thirds, put them into bags, put them in a freezer. So she'll have them for months. Right. One other day she went down, there was milk. They had, the date was not expired. There was eggnog, milk, cream. Well, she went down there. Well, she didn't know what to do with it. So I came home, got a great big cooler, filled it up, stuck it in the garage where it was cold. And now I put it in the freezer. Looking <laughs> God. So I processed the crap. But there was, there was tons of it. I guess and it even is. more that she couldn't drag home because she just didn't have the capability of dragging it. I guess it is tricky with food because, like, at this coffee shop, sometimes, like, we have sandwiches and sometimes they're left over at the end of the night. People just grab them and eat them at the end of the day. But uh, one of the girls that works there, like, she had one that was, you know, it just wasn't labeled right and it was only a couple of days old, but she got real bad food poisoning. So, yeah, I guess, like, it is tricky with food. Like, yeah, I just, especially, uh, especially if it's got mayonnaise and that kind of stuff on it. But, like, there'd be bags of, like, peppers and sometimes mushrooms and um, but I don't know why they I don't know what, onions um, I don't know why they're disposing of it but whatever home it comes we use it up yeah that's what I would really think would be interesting is like if somehow I don't know how giant EMP shockwave horrible something happens and like what if we did just lose you know, we lose all our energy and fucking internet and blah, blah, blah. And everybody does have to just go back to smaller communities. And like, cause I, like, yeah, so you'd have time and inclination to want to, to focus on things like that. Like, that's probably the thing. Like, if you got all these mushrooms, like, I guess it's just time is money, right? Like, somebody's got to look through them all and make sure they're still okay. And then there is that liability issue and it's, it's probably just easier to throw them away. But yeah, if like our whole society had to give a shit and had to care and had to actually pay attention to our resources and look at what we have and like, yeah, I really feel like we could fall a long way and we'd still be fine. Well, we'd have to go back to the way they lived, let's say three or four generations ago, where you grew your own food and then you processed your food so that it would last you through the winter. You did canning and uh, pickling and... Um, if, like if you had no energy, you know, where they, they would save ice chunks out of the river and bury them in sawdust so that they would have cold rooms until July or August. And, uh, and that's yeah, what, you'd have to go, go back to all that. You'd have to start raising your own animals and raising your own vegetables. And That's what would be interesting, too, is like, you know, we'll never go back to that level. I mean, we'll always, no matter what happens in North America, like, now that we've had this technology once, we know how it works and we know how to do it, so we'd still, like, we wouldn't have to save ice chunks and stuff, like, I'm sure we would still have ways to have refrigerators and things. Well, we'd probably use solar power to a much greater degree than we do now. Yeah, right, so, like, yeah, even, like, the worst case scenario, I feel like, it just wouldn't be that bad, and, uh, yeah, just, you'd, you'd need to be so much more mindful of stuff. Yeah, yeah like, and you'd recycle and you'd reuse to a much I mean, we're kind of moving a little bit in that direction, but not as much as we should. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, like, nobody changes until they have to. Like, until your back is up against the wall, things aren't going to change. So, 
Yeah, that's where I kind of feel like whatever happens in North America, it's like, good, bring it on. <laughs> Who fucking gives a shit? <laughs> like, is it really going to be so bad or is it going to lead to better stuff? Because, yeah, and I used to, I don't know, like that, uh, I mean, obviously the world's a big place. And it's hard to understand how all the pieces work together. But, but yeah, like, I don't know, like uh, just like people committing suicide at iPhone plants, you know, because <laughs> they're invaded in fucking china and these horrible conditions and nobody gets paid anything so we can have these smartphones like it's it's pretty fucking ridiculous <laughs> like i feel like history is not going to look back kindly upon the first world of the 20 and 21st century it's going to be like what the fuck <laughs> like really how did those guys think they could get away with that yeah and just and, and want more and more and grab more and more while the rest of the world's going to hell in a handcart and really struggling along yeah, it's weird too, just like how, um, like there's a guy at my work who's from Ireland and he was talking about how Ireland, the whole country, is about the third of the size of British Columbia, you know? <laughs> like, like North America is a weird place, like it's so big and we have all this room and everything is just like, boom. And so yeah, we had our good times in the 20th century, we all had cars and we all drove around and everything was great. And uh, I guess that's the thing now in China, like China's big industrial revolution has been happening in the last few decades. So now everybody in China wants a car and they all want to drive around, but there's a fucking billion of them in a smaller space and it's a fucking nightmare. Like Shanghai has permanent like uh, pollution smog all the time and it's like having this horrible effect on the uh, ozone layer and all this stuff and it's like, like sorry that you guys don't get to have cars and sorry that we got to have them and you don't but you just can't you just can't do this shit <laughs> like you know we only got away with it because we have this enormous crazy country full of space and natural resources and like that's the only reason we were allowed to act so crazy but yeah trying to tell the rest of the world now like don't do that it's too bad you can't have it because we already had it we already wrecked everything so too bad sucker yeah like that's where oh man like i mean i, I, I don't know this keeps coming up all the time but like when i lived in the states i was just i was so sickened by those motherfuckers because they really are us but 10 times worse and and they always want you to feel bad for them like oh our economy our recession no oh, fucking 9-11 all this stuff it's like you can fuck off <laughs> like the, the bad things that ever happened in america are a tiny speck of dust compared to like the rest of the world yeah ugh. and i mean canada's not so different you know you know, no, we're, we're not. We kind similar. of pat ourselves on the back that we're so much better than the Americans are, but we're, got, we're a carbon copy of them. Yeah. So, I uh, mean, this is a pretty self-righteous episode anyway, but uh, <laughs> might as well take it another little step further. So, uh, with this, like, no caffeine thing, I've been noticing, like, so uh, I've been barely drinking caffeine, uh, barely drinking alcohol like we had a christmas party the other day so i drank then and i drank when i met that guy on grouse mountain so like twice since i moved here <clears throat> and i find all this stuff like it really does help like just trying to be healthier exercise more don't have caffeine don't drink so i decided to try to take it one step further since i'm in vancouver the land of everybody being a health nut and stuff and i decided to see how difficult it is to be vegetarian around here and it's super easy so besides like one or two little things here and there where, you know, there was a, say it's like the end of night at work and there's a roast beef sandwich that's going to get thrown out. So I'll just eat the stupid roast beef sandwich. But besides little things like that, I've been eating vegetarian for like six weeks now and it's super easy and I do feel better. 
Yeah, you know, um, I can I can relate to that. I personally couldn't care less. I like fish, but I, I don't care if I eat meat. Right. Um, I, I very rarely eat steak. Um, in fact, I don't think I eat it at all. Oh, yeah, well, I, I have it if it's hidden in something. But I'm, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm a totally vegetarian, but I like vegetarian food. Yeah, well, that's one thing, too, is, like, I just thought I'd try it just for the hell of it. And, you know, people always talk about all the weird hormones and growth stuff in meat and blah, blah, blah. Or even just the, the way human beings, our digestive system and our teeth, like, that's just not what we're supposed to eat. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. And I'm sure some of it is just the self-righteous placebo effect, too, of, like, feeling like I'm doing something positive. But another thing I've noticed, like, if you go to, like, a, say, a Middle Eastern restaurant and you get the vegetarian plate... It's almost like they're apologizing that you're not getting meat, and they give you all kinds of great shit. <laughs> like, like the chicken shawarma plate, say. It's just chicken, like, shawarma stuff, and rice, and, like, one other little thing. Where if you get the vegetarian plate, you get, like, falafel balls, and a little spinach pie, and these veggie samosas, and all this cool salad, and, like, you don't get rice. There's no filler. They're like, here, just have all this awesome shit, because because you're not getting meat and, <laughs> and it's it's great. I'm like, wow, this is like way better. Now, speaking of Middle Eastern restaurants, um, there's a show on TV called You Gotta Eat Here mm -hmm. and they travel all across Canada and they comment on, they show they show cooking and how they do some of the meals and everything. Um, they were at one, I wrote the name down here, Nuba, ever heard of it? Is it a Vancouver It's in place? Vancouver. Nuba. No, what kind Nuba. of... So it's a Middle Eastern? N-U-B-A. The stuff they made on that show looked fantastic. I said, geez, if I'm ever in Vancouver, I'm going to find out where the Nuba restaurant is, and I'm going to check it out. Is it Mid-Eastern. Sorry, N-U-B-A? N-U-B-A. I'm just going to text myself. I'll look it up. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll go, and I'll let you know. Um, they uh, now they show people eating in the restaurant itself, and then they show some of the things that they're eating. Then they go into the into the um, kitchen, and the chef will cook up, show show how he's making this stuff. And it man, it looked good, <laughs> real good. I was like, man, I wish I was there, I'd like to go and stuff my face on that stuff right now. <laughs> Yeah, there is like a, one Middle Eastern place I go to a lot on Commercial Drive that, uh, do you remember when you guys were here way, way back? Um, we went to uh, went to like an Ethiopian restaurant that nobody oh liked God, very much. Yeah. But anyway, this one, it's it's just down the street <laughs> it was from terrible. there. terrible. They place hated is, us. Yeah, that place is still there actually, but this place is right down the street from there. And uh, and yeah, it's awesome. Like it won all these awards as like best Middle Eastern place in Vancouver or runner-up or whatever. It's always in the top or whatever. And it's just a really small little just go in, get your stuff, eat it at the little table and just get out like it's not fancy but it's real good I go there all the time and yeah just man yeah tons of tons of just delicious awesome stuff <laughs> I guess like well if Nuba is somewhere near where you are oh I'm sure it um, is everything's pretty central you could check it out it uh looked good yeah and I guess like theoretically if I really was gonna go all out like if it was easier to do I would try to do the vegan thing because like the argument I guess is it's true it's like it's not as bad what the what they do to process animals for dairy it's not as bad as killing them obviously but it's still pretty bad you know but it turns out that's like really tough like everywhere has a vegetarian option even McDonald's now has like wraps and stuff like options you can get but 
but vegan you really have to like I think cook at home type of thing or to go to very specific restaurants and that's a little too tricky for me and I figure why why dive off the deep end like I'll just the fact that I'm doing this vegetarian thing is I figure still a pretty good step in the right direction <laughs> like just stick with that but well, it was, it's certainly a start and it was and there's so things. much that uh, with the uh, with meat that I don't know we've got so many chem- well I, we do it with our vegetarian stuff too we get so many chemicals that are in everything right that uh, God even if you stayed at home and did all your own cooking the ground is full of chemicals yeah, I guess there's... I don't know if there's any way you can get away from it. Yeah, probably not. Not entirely. It's funny, though, because actually it's like a weirdly roundabout way that I kind of came to this is... Because um, I would always kind of think, like, oh, it's something I should do. But then when I'm at a place getting, you know, buying food, it just feels like... It's like that same thing of, like, you know, you can get a medium coffee, but a large is only 20 cents more, so I should just get the 20 cents more. It's like, well, if I'm out here buying food, like... Why should I not get the the one with chicken? Why would I get the boring vegetarian one? Like it's just hard to get over that little hurdle of like like I'm you know not getting the full thing. But since I've moved out here, like I just haven't. That's the one thing I do spend money on is I mostly just eat food out in the city. I don't stay at home very much. I don't have a lot of groceries, and I was doing all that Airbnb stuff. So I've just been eating out like all the time, and I just find ways to do it pretty cheaply. And just as I'm on the move. And that kind of works because it, it actually made it like boring in some ways. Like it's not exciting anymore to go buy food from some restaurant because who gives a shit? I do it every day. So, so it actually was getting like tiresome. It's like I wanted to try new stuff. I wanted to try the weird eggplant fucking weird thing or whatever. So that's I guess the one way that rampant consumerism worked out for me is like, like I just bored myself into it, <laughs> into doing it. I've kind of done the same thing. Like, I very rarely go to eat anymore in a restaurant. I find, I find it boring. And we cook at lunch all the time, and I'm the one who does most of the cooking. Now, I'm a person who never cooked. Right. Or, or, but now I'm, I'm the one who mixes up all the weird stuff with anything that's around. And Tina's got a whole bunch of crap she brought up from the bin. I make stir-fry that uses up all the stuff. And, um, you know, Patty... Patty, who always prided herself on being such a great cook, well, she's not. <laughs> she always has to make stuff that's, uh, you know, a standard follow the recipe kind of thing, or she buys stuff that's uh, already pre- prepared and all we're doing is heating it up. But strangely enough, I'm the one who's mucking around making all this weird stuff, and, and everybody says it, it's good. And I'll, say, I'll throw that in there, and I'll throw that in there. And <laughs> God knows if somebody ever, somebody ever, if anybody ever said, well, can you make it again? Well, no, I can't make it just like it because I really just threw a bunch of crap in there. Right. Mixed it up and did this and did that. That's so, uh, one yeah, thing. But, and now when people say, well, let's go out and eat. Oh, yeah, who wants to go there and sit in there and wait for somebody to serve you? And yeah, not interested in that anymore. That is one thing I learned that I thought was interesting. It, it like makes sense, but I never thought of it before from uh, my roommate, Other Keith from Toronto, because he did a lot of uh, culinary school type stuff. Is like he would cook amazing stuff, and it would be pretty cheap. And I always had this thought in my mind, like if you go to a restaurant, like that's the fancy stuff, that's the good stuff, or whatever. But it's kind of not because really they have like these razor thin profit margins, and like they really cut corners everywhere that they can. So. Like if you make, 
the equivalent of like a salad or something that you would get at a restaurant, but you make it at home, it can be like way better and have way more healthy stuff in it and just way more awesome stuff that you like for way less. And I'm like, man, that's, I guess that's true. Like, not only is it cheaper, but it's better if you know how to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing more cooking, but I'm really I'm just not not a big fan of any of the people <laughs> in the building that I live. I just would rather not deal with them, and and yeah, and it's still just like packed well, with all you their know, food. It's, it's hard to get into it if you're just doing it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I do it because I'm doing it for people at work, like that I work with. But when I'm at home, oh, cripes, I can't be bothered doing any of that crap myself. Uh, give me a piece of toast, a piece of cheese, <laughs> that'll do me. Yeah, that's true. Like when I had that apartment in Toronto with Craig and Keith, like I learned how to make all this like Korean stuff. There's this thing called bim bim bap. It's just it's basically just rice, rice and eggs and some other stuff. But but I learned how to make it, and it's I made it all the time. It was awesome. Yeah, because you shared it with somebody. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah, like my whole mo is to just never be home. <laughs> I just kind of live my life in the city, wandering around. So it's like, oh well, for this stage of my life, I guess I'll just eat out in the world. But. But yeah, it's nice that this town is so vegetarian friendly. Like, I, I literally have never been to any place yet that doesn't just have a nice, easy to find, easy to order vegetarian option. The only thing that's tricky, I guess, is pizza because I don't like onions and olives. So when people make vegetarian or vegan pizzas, like, that's, those are obvious go-tos, particularly onions. They're like, well, who wouldn't want onions if you're not going to get pepperoni? <laughs> but I don't like onions. But I guess pizza, whatever. It's not like pizza's good for you. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, but it could not be bad for yeah, you. It could be less bad. Depends yeah. on what you put on it. Yeah, it really is too. Like, I mean, and again, this isn't the reason why I did any vegetarian stuff. It really is just to try to sort of feel healthier and have more energy and stuff. But I did read an article about uh, like a chicken processing plant, and man, it's creepy. It's just like. They got all these chickens and they're all modified with hormones and things so they grow to maturity super fast and they can barely walk around because they're like built to have huge breasts and stuff and then they they put them in a dark room so they won't uh, you know so they'll be calm and they hook them up by their feet and then they basically dip them all like dip their heads in this knockout stuff that just knocks them all out and then a buzzsaw just goes across the room and just buzzsaws off all their heads but then if you're halal, you know, like whatever fucking religion that is, like they have these weird rules. So for the halal room, you're not allowed to fully decapitate the chicken for some reason. It just partially cuts their necks halfway and then you got to let the body bleed out. So that room is like a nightmare factory, even more so than the main room. And and it's just, I think it's, that seemed extra funny to me, like following these weird little cultural religious observances when it's all just industrial madness <laughs> you know like yeah. how is one way any better than the other and then when i start feeling all judgy about people it's like nobody who's on earth right now invented any of that shit you know like the only reason we have that ability is from people that are long dead like we don't deserve any of that and if we use that tech like we could use it it could be great use it to to just make fucking vegetables and stuff like that would be awesome you could automate the process of making all this food that's not killing anything <laughs> you know but instead it's like it's like we're spoiled children or something like we've got this ability but we're not harnessing it in any kind of a reasonable way and we're killing five billion animals a year or some crazy shit like i feel like if aliens came down and looked at us they'd be like dudes not cool <laughs> you know like what well, the hell 
it, it's the same thing as driving a car. We treat it as a right. Yeah. We have a right to eat meat, and we have a right to do whatever we want in killing them, raising them, whatever, making them suffer. We, it's, it's our right. Well, I, I, I have a problem with that. I don't think we have a right to do anything, and by using our right, we're in Christ, we're wrecking the world. We're just totally destroying the fucking world. We're just barely carrying on because we've got a right. It's such a weird two-sided coin, too, that it seems like most people... It's like two opposite kind of impulses that most people have, but they're both kind of repulsive, <laughs> is, is that, that self-entitlement of like, no one can tell me what to do, I'm just going to do whatever I want, and it doesn't matter what happens. But on the other hand, there's that, like, people just believe, they just believe what religions tell them and believe what politicians tell them, and like, they just believe stuff because someone told them it. And it's like, how can you be such a headstrong dick, but also just believe a bunch of nonsense? And like, I don't know, don't those two things, shouldn't you not be both those ways at the same time? But somehow people are, and I guess it's just how we are. I don't know, it's weird. And I guess all this stuff, it's like a transition period, right? Like, um, like robot-driven cars are already starting. And uh, like they say, like once that becomes commonplace, it's just going to like phase out normal driving because the insurance rates if you want to drive your own car will just become astronomical and no one will be able to afford it anymore and that'll be the end of that and they're already making um, factory grown meat like it's just meat that was never an animal in the first place so that'll take care of that and like it's all it's, it'll all be fine eventually but right now yeah it's pretty obnoxious world <laughs> in a lot of ways but yeah, I don't so know. what are you doing for Christmas this year? Uh, nothing. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I guess this is basically going to be our Christmassy episode because I got to work at the old coffee shop on Christmas till about 7 o'clock my time. So that's pretty late your time. And then I've got to... On, on Christmas Day. you got to work Christmas Day. Christmas Day, yeah. And then also Boxing Day, like I'm opening the store the next morning. So I really got to just go home, go right to bed, come straight back. Yeah, it's because mostly everybody's leaving for Christmas. They're all going back to wherever they come from. So there's like me, there's uh, Kate, who's the manager girl that hired me, who is from uh, just outside Halifax somewhere. And there's this one other guy, oh, the guy from Ireland, he's staying. And then there's another guy who, uh, he only works there very, very occasionally, so he's just going to work for Christmas. So basically, we're the skeleton crew holding it down over Christmas, because <laughs> everyone else is leaving. So. Yeah, see, I, know, I sounded surprised when I said you got to work Christmas, but I don't know why I felt that way, because uh, we were in Montreal a few years ago. Uh, Neil, myself, Mark, Granny's still alive then, and living in Montreal. Well, I get up on Christmas morning. We were staying in a hotel downtown. Got up, walked. There wasn't a soul in Montreal. Not a car. It was, God, it was kind of really weird. But I walked, uh, I don't know, a couple of blocks, got down to the French Quarter. I turned a corner, and there was a coffee shop, and it was open. I said, oh, you know, it's kind of cold. I think I'll go in there and have a cup of coffee. I went in. The place was packed. <laughs> All these people out uh, Christmas morning. They weren't talking to one another. They were drinking their coffee or cappuccinos or whatever, reading the newspapers, everybody in their own little world. But there, there had to be 50 people in there. And yeah. I was like, wow. 
in Fredericton, there wouldn't be any place open on Christmas morning. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because I asked this girl, Kate, I was like, oh, well, Christmas at least, like, should be, probably be slow, right? And she said it was so busy last year, she, like, almost had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> so, yeah, well, uh, it was like that in Montreal. So that's one thing is even though Christmas, Christmas is, like, triple time or something, like, you get paid like crazy for having to work on Christmas, but... So that's why they had so few people last year. So this year, she's pretty much everyone who's in town, she's like putting on that day in case that happens again. So, And really, I don't think it'll be so bad because I would probably rather hang out at the coffee shop with these people that I know because I do like all the people that work at the coffee shop. I don't like the customers. But, uh, you know, if for a Christmas Day thing, it's better than just wandering the fucking city by myself. That just seems a lot weirder and less fun. So I really don't well, think it'll you know, be so you, bad. You kind of figure that people are like staying at home or have somebody at home, but uh, you know, there's there's a whole world that doesn't. Yeah, well, it is too. Like you wake up, you do the present thing, and then North America kicks in, and you're like, well, what do we do now? Let's go to a movie. Let's go to the mall. Let's fucking do our North America shit. Like, yeah, nobody chills out for Christmas anymore. <laughs> they just they can't. They don't have the discipline. Yeah, and, that, and that's true. Even here, I remember one one Christmas, uh, we were at home. You kids were you were you were still kids. And I had run out of film, and the drugstore opened at, I don't know, time. So I went down, walked down to the drugstore. There wasn't a soul on the street. I got into the drugstore. Holy frick, there were tons of people in there. <laughs> I was like thinking to myself, this is sick. Why don't you people go home? Of course, I was in there too, but I was only buying film. But here were people buying up like Christmas wrapping and all this stuff that was on sale and I was like get the hell home it's Christmas I'm thinking to myself I was quite irate by the whole thing but yeah tons of people in there well speaking of that that reminds me speaking of also America and how much it sucks um like Black Friday just happened two weeks ago or whatever oh yeah yeah at least I didn't hear any stories this year about people getting trampled and stuff but I mean that's that's a pretty sad statement on North America, that whole thing. I'm glad that's not a Canadian thing so much. But then also this But it's coming. We never had Black Friday. That was that was totally an American thing. Right. But now we have Black Friday. Yeah, and uh, this is a, I don't know, I guess it kind of relates just for the craziness of America and coffee shops and stuff. Just today I was reading a thing about, this is mainly in Washington State. I'm not exactly sure why. I guess because their coffee culture is like, that's like, ground zero where starbucks started like they have so many coffee shops they have and there's like a ton of these things it's like really popular it's been going on for like a 15 years now they're like bikini baristas they're like these little drive-through coffee shops that are all manned by women who wear bikinis and and it's like super popular and uh also like that whole area like portland oregon is like the the top area for strip clubs in all of America so I feel like there's probably crossover in that in the Pacific Northwest for some reason like I don't know you work at the strip club a few days a week and you work at the bikini fucking coffee shop but but it's like are you fucking serious fucking America are you serious right now (laughs) like this is really happening but yeah and they're all over the place and uh I read an interview with like a girl that worked at one and she said it was like yeah, she just is like, well, I don't care if I'm wearing a bikini. Like, I'm not self-conscious. And you get paid, like, triple the tips that you would at a normal coffee shop. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, but what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, whatever <laughs> happened to the the uh, the women's liberation movement who felt that that would be exploiting yeah, uh, and, and sexuality. Like, yeah. hey, that's all gone by the wayside, too. And I guess, well, I guess there's, you could look at it the other way, too. It's like, hey, if these fucking 
idiot guys want to pay me a ton of giant tip to give them a coffee just because I'm in a bikini, like whatever. But yeah, on the guy's side too, it's like, get a grip. Stop going to the bikini coffee shop. Like what the, on, on all fronts, it's just like, this is like a bad joke. It really is like, uh, I don't know, when I hear these stories about America, it's like it's a, a, uh, a parody thing, like a movie, like some kind of satire, or like uh, the dude from fucking Subway, you know, for 20 years this fucking guy has been Subway advertising man, and then you find out he's a crazy pedophile with this like tons of kitty porn and stuff, I'm like, how is that not a plot to like some black comedy, how is that just how it is? Like, you know, what the hell? North America is fucking ridiculous. I really do wonder, like, once I do start traveling at some point, you know, when I finally do go overseas and stuff, maybe I'll just never come back, <laughs> you know? Like, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you probably find it just as weird in other parts of the world. You just have to keep on going. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> just keep moving forever. Just try to keep ahead of it somehow. But yeah, it's like weird to read these stories that are like, how is this not a joke? Bikini baristas, who even thought that up? Who made, who started that? I think it actually was a, a woman who started the first one in like 1999. There's a whole Wikipedia page about it. But it's still, it's just like, what the, what the hell? Although it kind of makes sense that it's a drive-through operation. That is like, so, you know, somebody comes in their car and they ogle you for a bit. And they're like, oh, thanks for the coffee. Here you go. Because it would be weird if it was a real coffee shop and you're just hanging around ogling women all day. Like that, would, I'm sure, would just not work. So again, it ties into car culture even. It's just a fucking, it's just a car crash of nonsense from all sides. Unbelievable. That reminds me of one night I was watching Just for Laugh, Just for Laugh gigs. And actually, I thought it was this a good idea if you really wanted to make money. Uh, this is at a car wash. And... Uh, the guy drives in, and of course, out come the babes, and they've got their bikinis on, and they've got their pushing their bumps up in the air and leaning over into his car, and they can look down in their cleavage and everything. So uh, while they're doing that, uh, and he's willing to pay big money, uh, this real fancy convertible type guy, guy guy comes in, the silver-haired champs behind the wheel, and they all tee-hee-hee, titter over to him and take care of him, and course our first buddy is waiting for the finished job on his car out comes this old bag <laughs> who's wearing like a old, big old overall she's a woman big old over she's about my age big old overalls and got the hat on with the brim and the big bucket and the sponge <laughs> she's who finishes the job <laughs> he's sitting there like you know, like, and here are the babes all over there the next door, and they get their bumps up in the air and their tits flashing and everything else. And I thought, wow, you know, it's something good idea of how to make money when you go up and drive around town and there's all these university students uh, trying to raise car wash money, high school types. I said that to Neil. He said, oh, I could, you could never do that. <laughs> That's exploiting women. You could never do that. And I said, yeah, but geez, can you think of all the men who'd be flying into that car wash? Yeah, that's another weird thing with North America. Like, it's so repressed and puritanical and weird. Like, yeah, just that it matters to see a breast. Like, I feel like that's not even natural. It's just because it's, like, been built up to be this taboo thing. And it's just like, man. Well, the bottom line is men will always be attracted to sexy babes in little bikinis, whether they're selling coffee at a drive-thru or they're doing a car wash. And if you want to draw them in, that'll do it. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it obviously, yeah, like is a natural, just you know, fucking biological thing. But I do think there's something weird in North America that, like, when you see uh, like commercials in Europe that just have nudity and stuff, like they just don't make a big deal about it so much. Where, or even it's not even as bad in Canada. Like we had French TV and things where, yeah, in like the states, it is. It's like I feel like men grow up with this weird, like, just this weird little repressive thing in their heads that just makes it so like oh my god look there's boobs like uh better better go get those boobs right now while i can because <laughs> i don't know yeah it's just yeah one example i always thought was extremely telling and weird and interesting is uh there's this radiohead music video that came out in 1996 it was this uh song called car that wasn't karma police it was a paranoid android it was like a cartoon it was animated and there was a part in the cartoon where these um, like busty mermaids show up that are topless and there's another part later on where a guy with a with a chainsaw cuts off his own arms and legs and it's all just a cartoon and it's all just kind of silly but for our version that played on much music they showed the cartoon boobs on the mermaids but they didn't show the guy cutting off his arms and his legs whereas in the American version they blurred out the boobs but they showed the guy cutting off his arms and his legs and I'm like damn there could not be a better like just perfect example of like the different um, values that our cultures have you know and so that was such a perfect example and who cares either way it's a silly little cartoon but you know both countries are like no 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 can't see this or you can't see that but anyway, so I guess I should uh, wrap this up, but I thought since this is going to be our Christmassy episode, I had one little Christmas memory that came to mind, but I was thinking, do you have any any Christmases that jump out at you? Anything you can oh, think I, of? I got a lot of Christmases that <laughs> jump out at me. I've had some, some Christmas experiences over my year. I guess I, what, what's yours? With what's all, your memory? Yeah, I was going to say with all the kids in your family. That must have been a weird thing, right? Did you guys get like... What was it like? I don't know. I guess because there were so many kids, was it like one one present each type of thing? Was it regimented, or how did that work? We usually got um, everybody usually got like one decent present, and then you get a bunch of you know little crap and that kind of stuff. Right, socks and underwear. Yeah, you know, like like when I was a, a younger kid, um, we, we the girls all got a doll. Uh, or some one year, like if somebody needed skates, somebody might get a new pair of skates. Uh, uh, we usually got a family toboggan. Um, and it was weird uh, with dolls. Uh, Liz, Liz, who was two and a half years older than me, always got a dark-haired doll, and I always got a blonde-haired doll. And they were always identical dolls. Hmm. Weird, eh? Yeah. And I think it was because when I was young, I was blonde. Um, by the time I was about 10, I was brown, mostly brown-haired, but, but uh, Liz's hair was brown from the time she was, uh, was a kid, from born. So, yeah, she always got the dark-haired doll, and I got the light-haired doll. I guess I could see that happening, yeah, like, you get that impression of someone, like, as you being the blonde, and it just kind of sticks. Like, I still think of, of our house back home as being brown and not blue, even though it's been blue for 25 years or something. Yeah, it's been blue longer than it was brown. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you just like get that weird whatever initial impression. So yeah, that's kind of cool. I was thinking the one that I thought of is, um, you know how we used to go down to, uh, we used to drive down to the States, like down to Bangor and stuff and buy things because the exchange rate and whatever, like the prices were just better in the States. So this must have been 
like maybe 1990, I'm guessing, because we still had a Nintendo and we didn't have a Sega Genesis yet. <laughs> like I'm just thinking of eras of video games. So we went down to Bangor and there was like just a bunch of games that were cheap. And uh, so I remember me and Mark picked out some different Nintendo games and dad bought them, but it was like, but these are for Christmas. You don't get to have them yet. But at some point in the two weeks or so till Christmas or two, three weeks, whatever, we found where he was hiding them and we figured out that we could really, they weren't wrapped yet, so we could really carefully open the boxes and take the games out and then put them all back and no one would be able to tell. So on a semi-regular basis, like when you know you guys were still at work or whatever, I guess, did you guys, I wonder, did you guys still work in the house or did you have the separate office by 1990? Uh, we were probably down to the other place by that time. Yeah, that would make you sense. You guys were only about 10 or 11 years old when we moved down there. So, uh, so yeah, I remember we had one day where we, uh, we had these like three or four games from the States and we had carefully opened all the boxes and took out the cartridges and then we hid the, the boxes in that green recliner chair we used to have. Like, there was a space in the back, so we just put them in the back of the chair under like, the seat of the chair and we were just playing these games. And then you came up the stairs all of a sudden. Uh, we, we didn't know you were home yet. And it was like me and Mark and like some kids, whoever, neighborhood kids. And we just froze because we were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we're playing the Christmas games. And maybe dad would have noticed. Maybe he would have been able to tell which game was which. But you didn't know what game was what. And you didn't say anything weird. You were just like, hey, supper's going to be ready or whatever. And we were like, oh, thank God. We got away with it. She didn't realize these are the Christmas games. <laughs> so then we just put the games back in their boxes, put them back wherever they were hidden in dad's fucking closet or whatever. And we got away with it. And then when we there got them on Christmas, we were still, those games, still great. Um, I had told him not to buy you. You already had one system. Right. And I had told him that I didn't think you needed another system. And he got he bought, he went out and got the upgrade of it. Right. I didn't know that he had done that. He also went out with somebody, somebody that he knew that had a whole lot of games that related to this thing. And he got them, got a good deal But I didn't feel you needed that. Because really, I, I always felt that it was just too extreme, too much, too much, too much. Right. So we were, um, we had gone to, uh, and Neil could never keep a secret. Uh, we had gone up to Zeller's Midnight Shopping, because some, somebody that lived here, Denise or, or Caroline, was, was minding you guys, you were in bed, so up we went. And while we were there at Zeller's, I kind of relented a little, and I said, you know, I mean, you should get that. <laughs> you know, a couple of games, and I could just tell by the look on his face. <laughs> He's like one you know? step ahead of you. <laughs> didn't say, so didn't say anything, but it was kind of like, uh, no, well, I don't think we need to get that. And I said, geez, I've got that's not like you. Like you used to go overdo it. Yeah, and he used to actually and, play uh, video games back then. Everything so. he left, he left. So I left the store too. Went out in the car. Although, I mean, you did just say, maybe he should, so, I mean, hey, you know, it all worked out. Oh, yeah, but then he had, like, he had, like, but instead of, like, two or three new games, he had, like, ten or twelve. Well, that's I don't know where he'd gotten them from. That's one thing that was really great about, I remember initially, like, I remember it was a really neat plan that he had was, um, we, you know, we would rent a Nintendo once in a while, and it was awesome. And Nintendo still is to this day, like, the greatest system ever, like, just amazing, that whole thing. I actually just read a whole book about, um, 
Sega versus Nintendo in that era, like a late 80s, early 90s. Like, it's fucking fascinating stuff. And uh, they're making a whole movie now about the book. Like, I know it just seems like that stuff was dumb games, but that shit was important to our generation. <laughs> so, uh, so Dad, I remember he had this genius plan that we were going to rent a Nintendo for Christmas for like three days, rent a Nintendo and some games. But what he was going to do was buy the Nintendo tell us it was rented so then at the end of the third day when we're like well time to take the thing back and he was gonna go like psych guess what we own it but the nintendo was sold out everywhere in town so he couldn't get the nintendo so instead we got a sega but that was super cool because then we got to have this other experience of sega which way fewer people had and now like reading this book i know all about the sega side of stuff and all the sega things and i remember at one point there was as uh, that system was like you know it, it was a failure compared to the nintendo so there was just like warehouses full of this shit so we got like a stack of games for five dollars each and we had just a ton of sega games and i just think that's so cool to this day because i still know all the nintendo shit and i played all that stuff and we got one later on down the road but but I know all this cool Sega stuff that people don't know. And even now, I'm like wrapping up my first book that I'm finally going to finish. It's like almost done. And it's all about video games. And I reference tons of that old shit. So like it all, it all was valuable in the end. Although I can see why you were not a fan. Because uh, it wasn't just uh, the kids losing their tempers. Fucking dad used to lose his temper at those games too. <laughs> we all lost our shit about video games. But see, and I never played them. Ever. Yeah. I, I, I remember when you first get your first stuff, uh, I sat down and one evening and tried to play them, but they never interested me. I really do think, I mean, there are a lot of women that play games, and especially now, more so than ever, with uh, computer games and cell phone games and just various different things, Game Boys and whatever. But, uh, but I think a lot of it really is like there's, a, there's like a, just a weird hunter-gatherer progression like mindset that, that men have. Like we want to feel like we're accomplishing something. And in this weird, stupid world, like, what are we even doing? We're all just floating around, eating steaks and being idiots. And, like, at least with a video game, you've, it, it, I think it tweaks that part of your brain. It feels like you're accomplishing something, even if it's fake. That's my pet theory about why they're so popular with guys. Well, and the thing when you... I, I, could, I could see playing them for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. But three, four, five, ten hours... You know, just constantly at it. See, I can never get that. I can read a book for that length of time, but uh, that that watching something on a on a TV screen or uh, um, oh, okay, let's just be honest. I never got past Pong. Right. <laughs> well, that's one thing I, I think is. I like that, but the I rest was... of it, no, never. Uh, well, I really Never think it's, it's interesting, too. Like, I feel like I was born at literally, like, the exact right time to watch the whole progression of video games because I remember that was the first game that we had was, like, a Radio Shack Pong, little beige box that just hooked up to the TV that had, yeah. like, four versions of Pong. So, I mean, that's literally at the, the ground floor. That's the start. And then we, we didn't have an Atari, but, like, everybody in the neighborhood had an Atari. Colin and Glenna had an Atari, and Joey Cavanaugh had an Atari. Then we got the Sega and Nintendo, and it just went up from there. And now here we are, like, virtual reality headsets are coming out next year. <laughs> like, you know, I just think it's neat that I, I got to watch the whole thing grow up as I grew up. It's, like, it's kind of neat. But yeah, I remember uh, Terry Murray's grandfather had like the best kind of reductive 
thing about video games where he was watching Terry play some video games and he's like, so let me get this straight. You press the buttons on this little thing in your hand and it makes the lights on the TV change. <laughs> it's like, yep, <laughs> like you're not wrong. That's what's happening. Like those lights represent something. But, but I always think that too, like if, if aliens watched us, like video games or even just movies and TV, they'd be like, so they're sitting in front of this glowy box and just because of the way the lights change and the sounds that come out, these little sound waves, suddenly they're all like, they're happy or they're sad or like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is that? I don't understand that. But yeah, as far as video games though, yeah, like just playing them for hours and hours, I mean, that is kind of what I, I kind of think it is like we're just you know, we're not made for this world that we're in anymore. Like we were supposed to be out learning how to hunt and learning how to survive and learning how to build lean-tos and all this stuff. And instead we're just going to school and doing all this abstract shit that does not engage the mind whatsoever. <laughs> but video games do, there's the adventure again. There's like, it's like this weird version of what we were built to do that we're not allowed to do. Yeah, conquering the world. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes it just gets really sad and weird, and, you know, people do play them way too much. And, and uh, yeah, and I'm just really glad I got over the losing my temper at video games thing, because that was fucking out of control. But. Well, yeah, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, getting so, so crazy about a game. It's a game. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that, too, was uh, not entirely, but some of it was just, like, it's the place, it's the thing I'm allowed to get mad at or whatever, you know, I'm just like going to school all day and fucking hate it and everything sucks and then Mario falls in a goddamn hole. <laughs> like, that's the last straw. <laughs> but I'm not totally sure. I don't know. Someday when I'm super rich or something, I'll go to see a therapist and I'll talk about video games, see if I can get to the bottom of it. But for now, that's my only real theory. But yeah, I don't know. It's neat, all that stuff too. Like, it is like, I don't know. I remember... Uh, I'm starting to wonder if I've brought up these stories before already on this podcast, even though we're only 20 episodes in or something. But uh, I just remember this one little family trip. We were, it wasn't like fire. It was, again, just to Maine or something. We were in the, the brown van, and we were driving somewhere. And I just remember me and Mark were talking about video games, and you said, like, you know, when you kids are growing up, I bet there's going to be, like, Space Harrier music on the radio. You know, like, that's going to be the thing. That's going to be the the culture that oh, you guys yeah, that are into. yeah, that the music that you'd relate to. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of true. I mean, like, documentaries about games now, people write books about games, like, it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. Well, I told you a couple, uh, a couple of sessions back uh, that there is a, a CD or some DVD, some kind of music thing out now, and it is video game music. Yeah. Yeah, there's and even... And it's now the, the new music that's... Uh, um, what is it they used to call that? Mall music. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, right. The, um, yeah, the... Uh, music in stores now to entice you to go in and buy is video game music right. that you would have heard years ago. There's also... It's drawing uh, you back. There's a... Uh, it's, I think it's just called Video Games Live, but it's like a full orchestra that tours around and plays video game music. It's total. It's a total thing. It's the, it's the new elevator music. Yeah. A lot of that stuff really was pretty genius. I mean, nowadays, you can just make music like a film score and put it in a video game, and that's that. But there was a whole thing, like, there's still, to this day, people that take, like, a modified Nintendo, and they make dance music, 
within the parameters of what a Nintendo could do because it was so limited and you only had so many sounds you could make and uh, and it's like when you go back and dig into like what some of these there was all guys in Japan back then who made games but like Mega Man music or something and it's like you only have so many bars of music and so many sounds sound channels and you need to have the sound effects of the game in there as well and the sound effects of the game need to mesh with the song and the song has to loop infinitely but not become tiresome it has to be really catchy it was like it was a it seems so weird to me that like they were doing all this incredibly difficult cutting-edge work so a bunch of eight-year-olds would fucking tell their parents to buy Mega Man like it's very weird but uh, it's neat that like it didn't fade away it wasn't like a fad or like a pet rock or something like it's stayed and people still respect that old stuff and uh, like you can take university courses about it and just all this shit I don't know it's neat to me well, don't put down pet rocks. I'm sure they're a comfort to people who <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be wouldn't be people my age, but between your age and my age, there are probably people who still have their little pet rocks. And I guess so, but I mean, that's what people thought video games were, like you know, fucking Pac-Man fever and all that stuff. And then there was the big crash in the early '80s, and that was everybody was like, "Well, that's that then. Video games are fun, but it's over." You know, it's just like one of those fads. But it wasn't, and it never stopped. Yeah, hence this book that I'm almost done writing somehow is like 400 pages long and it's just like getting out every thought I ever had about a video game. <laughs> just getting it out of my system. It's nice too that that thing is almost done. It really did goof me up getting this job, but it's getting so close. And just, even just to have that under my belt, like to, that I finished a whole book, like I think that'll help me in the future finish other more real books. And what are you going to do with it? I'm just going to put this one out for free online because nobody knows who I am. Like, it's, you know, it's just such a, a media flood now with everything on the internet. Like, I feel like it's weird for people to even try to sell their things if no one knows who they are. Like, it's just, uh, it's just a, a gate that will just keep people from ever finding it or knowing what it is. You know, I'll put, like, a donation page or something, but... But yeah, no, I don't think this, uh, you know, if I write, or I think next up will be that kid's book. I'll try to get that together and send that out and stuff. There'll be other things that I can go through traditional channels with, but. But even this, like every market becomes immediately saturated. Like there are so many books about video games already. Like it was a novel thing in like 2011 and now there's fucking dozens of these things. And a lot of them suck. I read this guy's book about Super Mario 3. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> it was a really shitty book. Brad bought it and lent it to me, but... Yeah, so so that's my thing with that. It, but like, like, if I can just get the major video game websites to report that there is this book about... The game's called The Last of Us. It won a lot of awards and stuff. It's a really good game. So if they can even just report, like, hey, look, this guy wrote a book about this, and I can get anyone to give a shit for, like, a day, <laughs> you know? That's really the best I can hope for. And then maybe from there, you know, it's all connections. Oh, speaking of that, that's a little thing I thought was interesting. How it really is all connections. Of, uh, I was thinking how I only knew four people still in Vancouver, but like I could have got jobs through three of them. Like to me, it didn't seem hard to get a job. Whereas in Toronto, it did seem hard, but I think it's just because all my friends were above my pay grade, you know, like they all had degree holding computer jobs where here everybody I know just has a crappy job so they could all easily get me crappy jobs but one of the girls that works at the coffee shop says said that she dropped off like 50 resumes 
and nobody got back to her. And then when she finally did get the coffee shop job, it was through somebody she knew that already worked there. I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. It's like, if you don't know people, you really are just fucked. <laughs> no one cares you know about what? you. And that, that's, that's the way the world works. Yeah. You usually, you usually make connections with, through connections. I guess it makes it has me... has nothing to do with, uh, with how good you are, what your resume might be like, or anything. It makes me a little, like, mildly, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have tried hold, tried harder to stay friends with, like, the New York people, <laughs> you know, but, oh, well. Tried my best, but that's a weird thing to think of sometimes, like, this is the dramatic way to put it, but I don't know exactly how many listeners they had, but let's say, I don't know, 50,000. It's like, how did I make 50,000 people mad at me? <laughs> that was probably a mistake. That's probably a misstep. But, oh, well, live and learn. I still know four people in Vancouver, and apparently I only needed one of them. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, but you got to make the right contact with that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's still stuff that came out of that, like the guy doing the artwork for my kid's book. I met him through the Keith and the Girl stuff. Like, yeah, there's still things, but... But it was time to move on. I guess that's the main thing. It'd be nice to be able to move on in a more grown-up way. It's always like, oh, I got in a fight with the New York people, and oh, I got in a fight with fucking Joel's wife, and oh, I guess I'll leave New York, oh, I guess I'll leave Toronto. <laughs> it's like, it would be a little nice if I could uh, motivate myself without... But again, I guess it's like we were talking about earlier, like nobody changes until they have to change, and like society's not gonna change until things get tough or whatever. I feel like it's that kind of that way, like just in people's lives, like. Like, I really held on in Toronto way too long. Like, I knew I was kind of done and I wanted to leave, but it wasn't until I started getting in fights with my friends that I'm like, all right, for real now. Now I will go. Or New York, it's like, yeah, like, it's just, just a really unbalanced situation where they have all the power, I have none, and they can just badmouth me on their stupid podcast and I can't do anything about it. So I just blow up and get mad at them and then, and then it's over. But it's like, it'd be nice if there was a you know, a less bombastic way for these things to move on to the next thing. But I honestly yeah, but don't know that there is. <laughs> for me, at least. people, though, it probably doesn't. You know that old saying that when another, when one door closes, another one opens? Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that many times. Sure. Well, usually what has to happen is the door has to close. You don't usually go through the door looking for something else. You wait until the door closes. Yeah, it's weird too. And cause then you've got to make decisions and you've got to make choices, and that's when the next one opens. And I still think sometimes, like, I mean, I'm getting a little bit used to being back in Vancouver, but like yesterday, uh, like all the mountains were had snow on the tops, like on the peaks, and it was super beautiful and cool looking. And I just had that moment of like, holy crap! Like I'm back in Vancouver. Like this is so nuts. And for years, I mean, for like literally the seven years in between. I would always just dream about Vancouver, and oh, Vancouver was so great, and it was so, you know, the, the best, coolest place. And now that I'm back, it doesn't seem like it was any big deal to come back. It's like, we'll just come back. But obviously it was. Like, it was hard to, to just pick up and move back. So yeah, maybe it does take that, the weird, like, negative reinforcement to push, to push things. Well, and it's usually, well, it, but again, they say the failures in your life are what you remember and what make you grow. Yeah. Successes don't. So and when, you're, when you're successful, I think sometimes you get kind of comfortable. You may not be really happy in what you're doing, 
but you're comfortable and you feel like a little sense of security there and so you just stay with it. Yeah, that's but like... when the door closes, that's when, yeah, you're kind of pushed into into doing something else, Man, some spe- new experience. Speaking of that, that just makes me think again to tie it back into like the coffee shop people. Like, you know, since most of the people that come to our coffee shop for the lunch rush, they're all downtown fancy pants Vancouver business people or man the people from Burke's are the worst Burke's is like this fucking jewelry store yeah Burke's jewelry yeah I saw one of their ads uh, of the in the subway last night that was like oh get her this amazing engagement ring only it was like $2.99 a month for man what was it 20 months 30 months yeah, I don't like know four or five thousand dollar ring and it was just like, what the fuck? Who would ever do that? That's so crazy. Everyone who comes in from Burks because they get a discount, so they're like, oh, I'm from Burks. Just the biggest fucking douchebag dicks. <laughs> you know? And all these business people, it's like, just fucking be polite. Just smile at me. Say something. If I'm saying something to you, say something back. Don't Be a human. And like, yeah, these people are clearly successful and not happy. Not even a little. I mean, I doubt that the Burks people are like, they're probably not really getting paid that much to just work at Burks, but... But it at least has that, uh, that, you know, idea of affluence. And yeah, they're all just such fucking dicks. <laughs> I just don't like them. <laughs> they're just really unpleasant people. And just unimaginative, uninteresting. If I try to throw them some kind of little quip or just like have something interesting in my day. like, And it's not like I'm throwing big concepts at them. I'm making a joke about a scone or something. But like, reciprocate. Be a person. <laughs> you know? It's fucking ridiculous. No, they probably look at you and say, you low-life yeah. <laughs> coffee-serving person. Like, how dare you even converse with me? Just yeah. give me my stuff and take my money. Yeah, probably. And this is like somewhat of a higher-end coffee shop. Fucking Miley Cyrus came in the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, I just like was happened to be downtown. And like it really is like a key location, this place. Like every time I go anywhere, I pass by my place of work. So I was like, well, I'll just stop in see who's working, see who was like, hey, what's going on? What happened today? And it turns out before her big concert in Vancouver that night, it was like Monday night, um, yeah, Miley Cyrus fucking was there <laughs> to have the best cheesecake in Vancouver, blah, 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 whatever. So, yeah, so I mean, again, I guess that's the other thing too. It's like, these are the fancy people, so they're like, this is my fancy coffee shop and I expect fanciness. I don't need this fucking pleb trying to tell jokes to me. <laughs> that's not why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's another job that's going to be all robots, for sure. I guess they already are doing that in, like, uh, restaurants. It's becoming popular to not have a server. Like, they just have a little touchscreen at your table, and you just order through that, and uh, everybody's happier, and, like, orders work better. Yeah, I saw that on a a, a food show I was watching one evening a couple of months ago in Japan. They had all, uh, yeah, all computerized. Yeah. And you just hit your little button, and... uh, I forget how the food got to you. Yeah, they might still have humans for that at this point. But um, in Japan, they use conveyor belts a lot, <laughs> like weird little yeah, sushi restaurants. Yeah, it was like a conveyor thing. It kind of came out like a, it was some sushi or noodles or something that they were getting, all these different varieties. And it seems to me it kind of poured out of a little machine into a little cup. And then it kind of scooted along and came to your table. Yeah, they also, even for uh, just like noodle stands and stuff, if it's really a busy one, like they they use, it's like a vending machine. So you start at the vending machine, you order what you want, and it prints out a ticket, and then you go wait in line. So by the time you get to the front of the line, your food's already, you just give them the ticket, you, you get out of there. You don't have to deal with money and stuff. So it's kind of cool. 
But it's kind of interesting too, just with stuff turning all um, computery. There's a little bit of that, you know, that that thing that people would always say a few decades ago of like, oh, they're taking our jobs, and my job is, you know, going across overseas or something, and blah, blah blah. Where's my job? And it's like your job was a piece of shit. Go find something else to do with your life. <laughs> and it's similar to that. Like there, I do get little people saying that sometimes to me is like, oh, but. If robots do this, then what job do we have? And it's like, well, I don't know. Figure something out. You're like the most amazing, brilliant creature that has ever existed, as far as we know, in the whole fucking universe. You don't need to be selling coffee, <laughs> you know? The only reason I'm still holding on to that job, because I really despise the job, is because, like, the only people I know in this town essentially are these people at the coffee shop. And it's just like, it's worth it for me. I mean, a little money, sure, but it's like just uh now that I'm finally being able to work a little less and my toes aren't bleeding, you know, just to go in two or three times a week and hang out with some people and crack some jokes and get out of there and just like be somewhat socialized. That's really what's valuable there. And the people really are cool. At the uh, Christmas party, the other branches, there's like five different branches of this coffee shop. They all were there. And it was like alternate realities. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I don't work in any of these other branches. Those people are nerds. <laughs> like all the people in mine are actually really cool. <laughs> so, so that's worth it. But yeah, I mean, as far as, I don't know, I just, it's, it's just, I feel it's almost kind of bad. Like I wish I could have some kind of Tony Robbins fucking program to help my coworkers of just like the fact that you're working fucking, you know, hand to mouth, check, check and you really need this job, this ridiculous job, like you need to get your fucking life together, <laughs> you know? <laughs> this job should be a lark at best. Because it's all robots soon, it's all coming. <laughs> this job is not gonna exist. It's gonna be weird when I'm old, it's like being a film projectionist and being a clerk and making coffees and be like, so grandpa, you did jobs that robots do now? And I'm like, yep, every job, worthless waste of time. I was the first of the robots. Yeah. So anyway. Well, you certainly had a number of experiences. you got to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's weird. It's like I look at it like in the two sides. Like it's been 10 years since I first moved to Vancouver. So I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good lap around North America. Like Vancouver, fucking New York, Toronto, back to Vancouver. Like I, did, I do feel like I did quite a lot in those 10 years. Went and got pseudo internet famous for a while, saw a bunch of places, did a bunch of weird shit. Uh, like a pretty good run for 10 years. I feel pretty accomplished in the amount of stuff that I did. But then the other side of the coin is like, oh, I'm almost 40, this sucks. <laughs> but, but I feel like as long as I don't think about it that way, it's just fine. And it's not, it's not that way. You know, it's, I'm just some guy and it's fine. The guy who owns the coffee shop at the Christmas party, he's like, he's this Israeli guy, and he's like, Keith, I don't know, it's coming up because his birthday was coming up. He's like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 36. No, you're not. I'm like, no, I am. Show me your ID. <laughs> so I showed him, and he's how like, How old oh. is he? Oh, you know, he's 50 some. But I mean, most of the people at this coffee shop, because it is like a bottom barrel piece of shit job, <laughs> you know, they're like mid 20s or whatever. Well, and you know, well, you probably you don't look you don't look thirty six. I certainly don't act it, so there you go. No, yeah, and you could you could <laughs> probably pass for about twenty six. Got a lot of gray hairs now, but hey, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, but the gray hair isn't necessarily a dead giveaway. Yeah, I mean they started when I was like twenty one, so so no biggie there. I do have a pretty high hairline. 
<laughs> like I've had to stop yeah. just buzzing my hair yeah. down. Like I yeah. gotta leave some hair. I think you're hair. you're gonna have the receding hairline for sure. Yeah, yeah. As long as I keep some my hair a little bit longer, it, I, I don't notice. But yeah, when it's shaved down, I can see now. I wonder because yeah, it's like you know, it's that that bulb thing where there's like the round bit of hair in the front, and then a little bit where there's not there. You know, like it's the total bald guy's hair style. But once my hair grows out, you can't see that at all. And I wonder, I'm like, I wonder if dad does have that, but just nobody ever noticed because he doesn't shave his hair. Like, it's just he, so he slight. Does, but it's not as, it's not as, re, as receding as yours. Right. Yeah, because I remember you mentioned once, like, I don't think anybody else in the family had that. But, but you wouldn't know that I do either, right, how my hair is now. So maybe, like, other people in the family did have it, but they just never buzzed their hair down enough for you to see it. It's more on the McNally side, though, than on, on, on my side. Right. Like, Mark doesn't have that at all. Mark, Mark's hair is quite in the front. Mine's in the front. The smarts are all head. Their hair is all in the front. Right. Um, I guess it's a trade-off, but, though, uh, because, yeah, if anything, the smart side has even more gray, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. The, I should the probably gray be comes fully from gray. A, the gray comes from the smart side. Right. No question about that. One thing I've noticed that's weird is my gray hair grows faster than the other hair. Like, yeah, I just kind of got to keep on top <laughs> Tell of... Tell me about it. I know. I know. Yeah, well, it's just weird because I still keep my hair relatively short, but I got to kind of keep on it because it starts to look just funny, like very noticeable that all the gray hairs are just a little bit longer. It's just really weird. But that premature gray, like my father was gray by the time he was 22. Right. Yeah, and isn't your brother Chris, same thing, like super Chris, early? Chris, uh... But by the time he was 22, 20, gray, his started going when he was 17 or 18. There's, uh, an upside to, there's an upside to that, too, though, that, like, Steve Martin kind of doesn't seem like he's gotten older since yeah, the 70s. Yeah, like he never gets any older, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen him lately. He's probably starting to look old now. But I remember up until, like, the early 2000s, he was in this movie called Shop Girl, and he was, like, him and Jason Schwartzman were both, like, trying to date Claire Danes, and it didn't seem crazy, even though he was already fucking old as hell. <laughs> but he just always looked like that, and it's like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, the, the, uh, but the gray hair definitely comes on our side. Yeah, I don't know. It is funny, see. too, though. Oh, go on. That you, well, let me see. Uh, uh, who else has got it? Uh, well, Michael, Michael Smart. Well, he's, he's 40. 41, he's 42 now, but his hair, I just saw him without a hat on the other day. His hair is really quite gray. Right. Uh, yeah, and I guess it's an easy enough thing to, like, dye it or something, but I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, I was going to say, though, that's the thing that's kind of funny, too, in a way, is to the, just the perspective of the, uh, you know, these other people at the coffee shop because they're younger is like, I don't know, one of them the other day was like talking about school and like, oh, my God, school at the rate this is going, like, oh, I won't be done until blah, 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 and then, then I'll be 30 and oh, my, or I won't have it paid off till I'm 30. Oh, my God. Oh, and it's just like it's funny to hear someone talk about 30 like that's a million miles away when I'm already past it. <laughs> And yeah, it really is no big deal. Like, it's like, I think when you are younger, like, people get really hung up on being young, but being young, uh, I don't know, didn't serve me that well. That's one thing I kind of feel like where I'm not self-conscious about being older is I'm like, man, if somebody doesn't like me now, they sure wouldn't have liked me 10 years ago. I was clearly better now <laughs> than I used to be in, on all fronts. Like, fucking, I'm in better shape. Like, everything's better. Got a couple of gray hairs. Who gives a shit? Well, especially for, for men, gray hair kind of has a distinguished factor to it. Yeah. 
It's a real hang-up for women, though. Right. All right. So, yeah, I don't even know. Let's check. You want to take a guess of how long this episode has been? No, I'm going to say it's been over an hour, hour 15 minutes, maybe more. Check. Holy balls. One hour and 45 minutes. Holy Moses. And it'll be a little shorter just because there was some dead air at the start when I was dialing in stuff. But, uh, yeah, an hour 40 probably this episode will end up being. Pretty good. I guess, uh, I guess that makes up for the time that we missed from sickness and working. Yeah, you'll probably whittle her down to about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, I pretty much, I just mostly put them out. I'm like, hey, listen or don't, you know? There's no, no need to really do, do editorialize. I figured just let it, let it go. Um, so, yeah, so like I said, I probably will not be able to call on, on Christmas because it'll be like 10 or 11 at night, your, your time, before I get out of work. So, yeah, that's the 25th is Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah, that's Friday. Yeah, I don't start work till noon that day, so I won't be off until forever. Yeah, and then I gotta work the next day and the next day. So yeah, so that's fine though. This is our this will be our Christmas episode. Will you have a as good a day as you can? We're just gonna do the usual stuff here. Have a turkey, invite some people from down the office in, have a few drinks. Cool. And I'll yeah, I'll second I'll I'll eat some cheesecake, I guess. <laughs> Limited options to what I can do with have a vegetarian burger and some cheesecake for yeah. your Christmas dinner. Yeah, that's one thing that's been kind of nice about all this kind of stuff and, you know, the, the caffeine and the eating meat and stuff is I really don't feel like I'm, uh, yeah, it's not like I'm dying for like, oh, man, maybe it's Christmas, I'll go eat some meat. Like, I just don't care. I think a lot of it really is like, um, like I'm not feeling old or anything, but, but obviously that checks in the mail. Like, you know, it is physically, <laughs> you know, it's all going to start gonna go, going downhill. But any of this stuff, like, that it all just, like, like, I really do feel, I don't know, I had this, like, this in, in, uh, Toronto, I think just from my weird sleep schedule of having no job and no set things to do and just drinking ridiculous amounts of coffee and just, like, I don't know, not exercising and not taking care of myself, like, I just always kind of felt like, blah, like I used to in my, I just have breath mints in my pocket and I would always just have a couple of aspirin in the breath mints. And people would comment on it sometimes, like, that's weird, why do you always have aspirin? And I'm like, I always have headaches, I don't know. But ever since I moved out here and, like, I'm exercising and I'm eating healthy and drinking fruit smoothies and all this fucking bullshit, and now I'm not eating meat and not drinking caffeine, and I don't get headaches anymore. It's like, it's just nice. It's nice to have, I sleep easier. Like, it's nice that all this stuff, like, I guess that's what I, I, I don't know, it's a shame I put off for so long, like, just being active and exercising and stuff. Because when you don't do it, it seems like such a burden. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do all this work. And I don't want to lift weights and all this fucking shit. But, like, to me, it's been nothing but better. Like, I just am like, this is way better. I have all this energy. I feel better. Like, because then I kind of wonder, like, would I do all this stuff if if I desperately missed eating meat and if I hated exercising? (laughs) Like, of course I wouldn't do all this stuff. But luckily, I find it all super easy because I just, it all makes me feel better. It must be the atmosphere out there, too. It does help, that's for sure, yeah. You know, you've got better weather, you're, uh, you're by the ocean, uh, you just don't have that, that doldrum of winter, like once it sets in, like, God, it, I mean, you, yeah, there's not a lot of sun out there, but you don't have a whole lot of shit, you got to get up and shovel every day, and 
Yeah, and, I mean, uh, which is really depressing. And there is definitely, yeah, like just the social aspect of like even when I first moved out here and I first would see people power walking with bottles of water, <laughs> I'm just like, what? I've never seen that before. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's nice. It's just I had a uh, wheatgrass the other day. Have you ever had that stuff? It's, never hit, never did. It's extremely overpriced, but I was like, instead of espresso or whatever, I was feeling a little bit sluggish that day. I was like, oh, I've never tried this stuff. Let's go try it. And it was like $5 for a tiny little 60 milliliter thing of it. But, but they literally take, they've got the grass and these planters and they put it through a blender thing or like hand crank it through this thing and give you the tiny little shot glass. And it does just taste like you're drinking grass. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> but again, I don't know really how much of this really does help or whatever but it's just like like i think the placebo effect is powerful like i just felt like yeah i just drank healthy shit <laughs> now you know <laughs> and now i feel cooler about it myself and whatever i don't know it's nice because like last year in toronto was fun in its own way like there was living out in the middle of nowhere was kind of miserable and fucking all the problems with that girl that was miserable but on the other side i would hang out with my friend jason a lot and watch wrestling and we did our own wrestling podcast and we went to live wrestling shows but we just got bombed all the time like you can't watch wrestling sober it's boring as hell (laughs) so like that was fun in its own way and i kind of missed that sort of but i'm glad that the other side of the coin is just like it's much seems much better and easier to do and like you know I'm just, I'm really, I'm glad, I guess, that I'm not a more addictable person. I'm glad that I don't have to try to, like, kick alcohol and it's all hard to do and whatever. It's easy. It's easy to do. Yeah, you know what? It is easy to do. Like, I know people, like, I could give up coffee easy. I yeah. just have to say, I don't, I'm not going to drink that anymore. Yeah, um, and there's always, I like... Could give up, I could give up booze easy. I mean, and, uh, like, I don't smoke cigarettes. That doesn't mean I've never smoked a cigarette. Right. I don't smoke uh, dope. Doesn't mean I've never smoked dope. But it, it's not something. Uh, um, I don't have an addictive personality. I went through a period where I did drink coffee every day, and then one day I said I'm not drinking it anymore, and I didn't drink it for oh months. Right. Now I drink very weak coffee at work. But if somebody, if I said oh, I, I don't think I'll drink that, I mean I know I could just stop. Yeah, Most I guess people uh, can't do that kind of lucky in a way right because like i think on both sides of the family tree there's obviously a fair amount of uh yeah like just addictive personalities going on lucky that we didn't get that so much i do kind of think that sometimes with like poor old mark i'm like oh geez like you know obviously i don't know i can remember where i heard the story about but did uh grampy mcnally i heard something from somebody that he was quite a drinker is that a thing or did i just make that up I think that Neil's father maybe used to drink. Now, my father drank. My oh, maybe. Father drank like a, like a, maybe that's like who I was thinking fish. of. <laughs> it, yeah, it could have been my father. I don't really know a lot about about Neil's father. Um, I think he did used to drink, but it would have been before I met him. Right. Um, and then he had to give it up because he had a heart condition. Um, in my time... And I guess especially um, back then, it's not even... No, I, I couldn't say that he that he drank a lot. And I guess if it's but, not seen as, like, you're just hanging out at the Legion and everyone's drinking, if it's not seen as a, yeah, like, a, if there's no social repercussions, maybe everybody who's just drank a lot. Yeah, and see, and I don't know that, that Neil's father did that because... Well, my father did, because my father was your, was your almost your stereotypical vet. Right. Um, you know, fought in the war, came back, drank at the Legion all the time. Uh, it got really noticeable when we moved to Campobello. 
there was no legion, but beer was so cheap across the border. He was always, he always drank and smoked. And I don't think he could have given it up even if he wanted to. But I don't think he wanted to. Right. And most of the, most of those guys who came back, I mean, I don't know what they experienced over there. And they all smoked and drank when they were over there. They were young men and they, you know, that's just what you did when you get together with men. Um, but I think maybe uh, Neil's father also may have had a drinking problem going because in those days it was a, it was a social thing to do. You drank all the time. Right. Um, it's like on Mad Men, you know, when you go into the office and everybody had a bar under their credenza, and you never didn't go into somebody's office without having a drink. Yeah, even that. Uh, just this like Halloween or Christmas party we just had for the coffee shop. Like I was thinking, like, well, I haven't really. I've had like two beer the whole time I've been in Vancouver. Maybe I just won't drink. But yeah, once you're there, it's like we're at a bar. Every all the drinks are free. It's like ah, this is weird. Fuck it. I guess I'll just drink. <laughs> like, it's just yeah, it's easy. Yeah, and like we're having a. I'm making a, a ham dinner for the crew that lives down in my our office tomorrow night, and we've invited some other people to come in down to the office, and but we're gonna drink. And I'll drink, <laughs> but I don't have to drink all the time. See, like, like you're dead and you're, your father's drinking quite a bit now that he's retired. Right. Well, I was going to uh, say, I mean, between the the grandparent generation and then dad with his various <laughs> little addictions of stuff, and then my brother, I'm just like, man, I feel like I kind of dodged a bullet. <laughs> it feels like there's yeah. a pretty clear. Yeah, I think you might have. Pretty clear line of. Uh, Addiction-y stuff going on that uh, luckily. And like they sit around and they just watch movies down there or here, and of course one one of the things that's bad is uh, Art Wood is an alcoholic that Neil hangs out with. Right. You know they drink beer, drink beer, drink beer, drink beer. Terrible lot of beer. And it's probably not good for Neil. He's had that heart operation, but you know whatever. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Well, that's something. But I mean, they invite it's... me to have beer, and I can say yes, or but I can just as easily say no. But then I've got something to do. That's the other thing. I'm working. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that's one thing, too, is like, uh, I mean, like the way I would drink a lot last year while I was watching wrestling is like most, I find that with most people that drink a lot is that whatever they're pairing it with is probably boring. <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, art's okay, but yeah, just hanging around with art watching movies, what the fuck else are you going to do but drink? <laughs> yeah, but you got to, yeah, you got to keep your hands busy. Yeah, watching fucking wrestling all day. Of course you're going to drink. Like, yeah, it's just like... Not like and I'm not saying I'm, I'm certainly life, that I never drink. There's many times that I'm at the end of a day and it's been real busy. And if there's a beer in the fridge, I'll say, "Oh, you know what? While I'm working on this thing, nobody's around. Sure, I'll just have this beer and suck on the beer." And, you know, <laughs> but it's not something I say. I gotta have a beer. I gotta do that every day. So yeah, I can. Uh, I I I can either yet. I'm good at saying yeah. You choose it or not choose it. Like, and I don't feel this urge to have a drink just because everybody else is having one. Right. Like, I don't care. Drink all you want. <laughs> or, if nobody's around and I want to have one, ah, yeah, well, I'll have a beer. I don't have to have somebody to, to drink with me. No, well, I think that's also the other thing that has kept me from, or helped a lot with uh, drinking caffeine or booze is uh, it's just the fact that I got to pee all the time. <laughs> it is, it's helped enormously. Just like that, there's, there's always that. I'm like, well, if I can go have a coffee right now or I could have a beer and that would be okay. But then I'm just going to have to pee a bunch of times. <laughs> like, is that really worth it? So in a way, that's almost like a weird little blessing, like that little extra, like, just don't do it. <laughs> just don't. So I don't. 
But I really do think it's been handy, like like this kind of going cold turkey at first and then relaxing off it a little bit, like with, with caffeine now. You know, like if I'm just hadn't had enough sleep and it's a really crappy day at work, I'll have like a little, like one shot of espresso, which before I would always have two and I would probably have two or three of those. Where now just like one little thing of espresso, I really notice it and and yeah, it like brings it down to like a reasonable level. It's like if, I'm, if I do that once a week, whatever. It's a weird little thing, but it's not that bad. Because I didn't realize until then that it's like, Jesus, I used to drink coffee every day. Every goddamn day, all day. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's just North America. It's just how it is. Like, you don't... Oh, there's a girl who works there from uh, Brazil. And uh, she. there's a saying in Portuguese that's eight or 80, which is just their way of saying all or nothing. You know? Like, you either have very little of something or you have all of it you have eight or you have 80 and you're like yep that's true that's how it is so it's been good just to bring me back from the 80 part it's like oh yeah that was too much now like at work uh, I, I drink a few cups of coffee a, to, a day but my god they're so weakened down right somebody puts coffee in the coffee machine I run the run the water through again don't put more coffee in it by the time I'm at the end of it, it's like, uh, geez, it's hard to get any color to it. <laughs> so today I went out to lunch with uh, some of the gals, and I had maybe two, I think they filled my coffee cup twice. Then I came back, I had a headache like you wouldn't believe, and it was the coffee. It was strong, too. But see, obviously I'm not used to, well, I don't like strong coffee anymore. Yeah. It's I weird, too. I was never a coffee drinker. And, uh, I mean, it's bug poison. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's like, I don't know, they did it this ages ago in, like, 1984, I think. They did some study and figured out, like, like, what is caffeine? Why is it in a plant? And it's just, like, a natural thing that developed so bugs wouldn't eat those plants because they don't like it. It makes them feel weird. But when we eat it, <laughs> we ingest it, and we like how it feels. But, like, we're just poisoning it. It's a fucking literal bug poison. Like, that is so weird. A hot sauce is, too, and I still eat that, but still, I don't know. Like, I don't know, stuff like that's just funny to, like, human human beings. We are just such weird little frail, strange little bags of biology. <laughs> I don't know, we just think we're so awesome, and oh, look at us, we fucking took over the world, but oh, look at that, bug poison, eh? <laughs> don't mind if I do, I'll drink it all day. It'll take over our whole culture, because we just love it. Anyway, this is, I guess I really should stop this fucking podcast and just keep rambling on about more and more stuff. Okay, well... Have a have a pleasant Christmas day. I will. Now I'm even trying to At think. Work. I'm like, man, on the way home, I'm like, I bet I can find like a, a Jugo juice or something and get like some fucking carrot juice. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's what well, I'm gonna do. Well, just as long as it's not caffeine. Yeah, I mean, you know, get a few little fruits put in there or something, so it's not just carrot. Cause that's a little much, but kale. Get some kale in there. <laughs> that bad boy. Awesome. All right, so. Thanks for being on my podcast again. <laughs> no problem. It was great hearing from you. Sure. So I guess I'll probably talk to you sometime after Christmas. I'll drop you a line, let you know what's going on. And then I guess New Year's is right after that. I, I, luckily, I do actually have somewhere I can go on New Year's, so that's nice. The one guy, Doug, oh, who got me the coffee job. Yeah, the guy, Doug, who got me the coffee job. He's just got a new apartment, so I'm going to go New Year's it up with him. What day is it even okay. today? The 17th? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I'll talk to you before then, then. Maybe a okay. day after. Anyway, I'll drop your line and let you know. All right. Cool. All right. So have a Merry Christmas. Tell everyone else Merry Christmas. I will. And tell them I didn't get them anything. <laughs>
best wishes are all they need. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye.